Hi, Lauren. Hi, Sam. Are you ready to talk about Titanic? I am, because after all, we are the watchers of movies. All right. <laughs> How are you doing today? Are you being Linda from Bob's Burgers? <laughs> yeah, sure. Totally. I didn't even <laughs> intentionally do that, but yeah. Yep. That sounds about right. Okay. <laughs> sounds well, about right. You're just being you. You're just I'm being just, you. I, am, I mean, I am very much like Linda from Bob's Burgers. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> do not mind the correlation. <laughs> <laughs> I do like how enthusiastic she is. I know, right? She's so I, love, I love the relationship between Bob and Linda because... Like in The Simpsons, like Homer's kind of a doofus and Marge is like the smart one. And that's, you know, like that's kind of frustrating sometimes. But I like in Bob's Burgers how they're just like, they like, there's not like a stupid one. They both have moments where they're kind of like bonkers, but they're also, yeah. not, you know. Well, they and they like, they're a team, you know, like they work yeah. well together. Like there's one scene where um, they're talking about how they paid something off. And, and Linda says like, no, no, no. I remember the check because it ended in a 69 and we, we high fived and the kids are like, what does that mean? And they're like, never mind, Don't worry about it. <laughs> oh, that's cute. I, I remember when, when they were doing like romantic fuzzy dice and feet kept coming up. So it was like romantic touching of feet. <laughs> it just kept yeah. like rolling to feet. And I thought that was funny yeah it's a good it's a good um it's a good show i mean <clears throat> i made a, a sticker that i gave to you that is of them as the ice cream machine and and linda just has this look on her face like ah oh, yeah <laughs> and, and it says pill pop and sex freak so you know yeah i was pretty proud of that one that was <laughs> she's like having the fantasy of tom Selleck, and it's like it's like a ghost <laughs> you know, in the movie Ghosts, like they're like, but it's like ice cream, and then like Tom Selleck comes up and he's like shirtless, and Bob's like, "Oh, hey, Tom Selleck," and he's like, "Hey, how's it going?" <laughs> so they're all like ghost style, like anyway. Ghost is a weird movie. I recently saw the a few minutes of it, like maybe twenty minutes total of it, and it's like more bizarre than I anticipated. I thought it was a pretty my perception of it was that it's a serious drama but it's actually kind of like wacky yeah and, it's a little weird yeah and it, there's like humor thrown in and i was un i was ill prepared for what have i was you never watching seen, have you never seen the movie no oh really mm -hmm. yeah it's it's a little weird um it certainly made me have a distaste for tony goldwin for like years and years now because he's the villain in the in the movie um but and then he was in the show scandal and i hated his character in the scandal in scandal he was like the president and there's one scene where he gets shot and i was like oh, thank god maybe this guy will fucking die because i'm so tired of him <laughs> like jeez and he i guess in. he played his role as a villain good then he you well, always thought he was the villain he's not really a villain in scandal he's just he's a very complex character but i He's like cheating on his wife the whole time 
and like and I loved his wife and his wife is played by um, well at least one of you did Bellamy Young yeah right and I loved her so every time anything would happen to her I was like I was like if you mess up with my darling first wife I will I will come in there myself <laughs> so so ghost yeah ghost is uh I don't know if I would say it's like a like you have to see this movie like I'm gonna I would say like if you are going to see a Patrick Swayze movie, you should watch like Dirty Dancing or um I like uh, Dirty Dancing. What's that other one that yeah. I like? Shit, that's with Keanu Reeves. Oh, Point Break? Yes, yes. You should see yeah. Point Break or, you know, I mean, he's like he's got so many. I don't I think Ghost is I think it's a classic. I don't know if it's like the greatest movie ever. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I sure. No, I can yeah. attest to that in the 20 minutes that I saw that it's definitely not the greatest movie ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, I, like I, I would watch it again. I mean, I've seen it a bunch of times. I've seen it plenty of times. I've probably seen it at least five, but um, I don't think it'd be something that I would seek out. It's not like, it's definitely not a favorite. And there's also like a really weird scene where he, like possesses he like possesses I'm putting in quotations the body of Whoopi Goldberg and it's like her and like or like Demi Moore and like Patrick Swayze being like intimate but like in the body of Whoopi Goldberg so you're like this is just weird (laughs) yeah that's kind of like trippy bizarre yeah. yeah and and I guess that Demi Moore has to put aside like any reservation she has about being with a woman because it's not a woman it's like it's just it was a very like weird that makes me uncomfortable because I because it is a woman right you can't put aside your resume like that'd be like that doesn't make any sense because physically that is a female body Right, like, and so, so any reservations you have, you're gonna have to change your sexual orientation. Right, that's the like, reservation that he's asking her to put aside. Like, I don't think that's very easy to do. I think that's why, like, homosexual people want their rights because they can't just set aside their sexual no, orientation. Well, yeah, like, no, it, I mean, it's it's you know, like, that's just a weird. That's a weird thing to put into a movie. I think because it's not so simple as like no. <laughs> I'm I'm a man, but I'd be like, well, you took your pants off, and I'm gonna have to do some thinking because <laughs> up until now, I've never had this situation happen to me. You know, right, right. Like, and you're like you as a viewer are seeing Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore. Oh, okay. Yeah, but like, but there's also like within that scene, there's hints that you're like, oh, right, that's still Whoopi Goldberg's body. That's that. I don't think. I don't know. I think that sounds really bizarre and super 90s. Like, they can get away with stuff like that in the 90s, but I don't think they could get away with stuff like that today. It's very... So, speaking of 90s or early 2000s, the other day I watched uh, The Blair Witch, which is not The Blair Witch Project. Oh, I was going to say, did you just, like, give it its own nickname? Like, (laughs) Project is too many words. (laughs) Too many syllables. I was All the kids are just calling it The Blair Witch. (laughs) <laughs> I was I was bored halfway through. I was like, "Project is two syllables, and that's yeah. too much to say." No, so I watched the Blair Witch, which I've seen the Blair Witch Project, and I had seen it like post 
all of like the um, paranormal activities. So I was kind of used to like the whole like found footage thing, you know, so I didn't, I didn't think that the Blair Witch Project was scary, but I could understand why people, because it was like, that was like the movie that started that whole thing. You know what I mean? That For was, sure. it was yeah. really like a very, um, what's that like ahead of its time, I guess. So I watched the Blair Witch and the Blair Witch was like, had the, it had, it, it was like, so it was a sequel to the original and it was about this guy who's trying to find out what happened to his sister who was in the original Blair Witch Project. But like about probably a quarter of the way through, they completely dumped that plot and like <laughs> it just became this like fever dream of like, um, like time d- was like different in this like part of the four it was really fucking stupid anyway um <clears throat> but i just wanted to say that i think it would have been really cool if they had done something where they had like interspersed um scenes from the original movie into the new one and like actually like showed more information about what was happening because have you ever seen the original movie big time yeah yeah, yeah. so there's no like supernatural element to it from what i remember right it's all implied, I think. Like, imp- everything weird that happens, they either stumble upon it or it happens, like, off camera. Okay. You don't, okay. like, really see what happens to them. And you don't, like... My memory of it is that there isn't, like, this witch who appears who, like, does magic tricks. Like, it's all right, sort right. of, like, implied off off the shot. Right. So, mm-hmm. they had the potential to explore that more. But instead, it just became about people, like, getting lost in the woods in the middle of the night. So the entire thing was, like, this nervous, like, where you're just, like, like, I, first of all, <laughs> I am not a person that even really likes going outside. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't want to go camping. And I hate, I hate the dark. Like, the dark actually freaks me out. I have, like, four nightlights in my apartment. And my apartment's tiny because I hate the dark. Like, it's just, like, it's, no. Anyway. Um, it was just such a weird and bizarre movie and I would not recommend it at all. And I watched the whole thing. Cause I was like, one of those things where I was like, maybe it'll get better. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then they picked up the plot, but the plot was like, like, so it was so stupid. Like they were implying that there was like an actual Blair Witch. So they're like, they're like, you have to listen to her and she'll do what you like, you do what she says and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like. I feel like none of these people like watch the actual first movie. They just like were like, "Oh, it's about a witch, Blair yeah. Witch Project," right? Like that's mm-hmm. what was, we don't need to watch the movie. And um, and anyway, that's it. I wanted to just hmm. mention that that it that was, sounds terrible. Was a not recommendation. <laughs> yeah, I remember when the first one came out in theaters, and it was a big deal. And I didn't see it in theaters, but I saw it a few years later. Yeah, and it was. Yeah, very, very creative. And it started, like you said, it started a genre that is yeah. still going pretty strong to this day. And so I, I think, like, that's pretty amazing. And I, I think the movie was fun. Like, I don't think it's a, in and of itself, I don't think it's that awesome of a movie, but I, I like it and it's fun. And right. it's got, like, creepy elements, which are really kind of fun to explore. And the way the movie is made was totally unique for its time so it is cool it's cool that it's it exists but yeah i think subsequent 
like remakes or sequels, sequels, quote unquote, would never be as good. No. And, you know, it, it, it's the thing is like, and I've talked a lot about this because I like horror movies, but the thing about horror movies, and I recently actually tried watching, I think it was like The Conjuring 3 and I got like, I think I got about 15 minutes then and I was like, this is so fucking stupid. I can't even, I can't even watch the rest of this movie. Like, (laughs) and when people are like, oh, The Conjuring is so scary. I'm like, shut up, get out of my home. (laughs) Because no one. I thought The Conjuring was creepy. I thought it was scary. The first one. (laughs) Just, but I mean, we're different. Like I, yeah, I don't yeah, watch a lot true. of scary movies either. So I watch a lot of horror movies, and I like I like them scary. But no, I watched like the third Conjuring, and there was like this whole, this whole scene where like Patrick Wilson's character was painting the creepiest fucking, like painting of this like dead <laughs> nun or something. And she, like, walks into, like, the kitchen, and she's like, oh, hey, what are you doing? And he's like, I just couldn't get this nun out of my head. And I was like, if I was her, I would have been like, take that outside and burn it, because there's <laughs> no way that this portrait's going to be in my I'm home. I'm telling this you, the fucking thing. Like- <laughs> painting and drawing tropes really need to go away. <laughs> yeah. Like, and he was, like, an incredibly talented, like, life, li- like, life-like. Was she, looking- like, next to a bowl of fruit? <laughs> no but like it looked like it was really good like it was an incredibly talented painting and but so then there's like one point where this like nun is like coming out of the wall but like through the portrait from what i can even remember and it was just so dumb and and this is in the first 15 minutes yeah jeez (laughs) really hits the ground running the thing well the thing about like the thing about horror movies is that and I have such a qualm about this because they are purposefully done to just continuously scare you. Oh, and, sure. it, and yeah. it's, and, but it's not, it's like, it's these overly manufactured films that don't focus on actually like creating a real thrill within their viewer. It's just like how many scares or jump scares they can put into a movie too. And and after a while, and I, I don't like jump scares. I think that they're boring. After a while, I'm kind of like, I mean, sure, they work, but like. It's when not you're very just, creative. Right. No, they're not creative when you're repeatedly like, when they're like, jump scare, jump scare, jump scare. You're like, okay, I get it. Like, you're not talented at writing, you know, <laughs> horror movies. So this is all you have, like, at your disposal. Right. Like, you can <laughs> like, sit, go and sit down. I mean, and there's been a couple films here and there where I've been kind of impressed. Like, I really liked Sinister. And, um, and I know a lot of people had issues with that, but I thought it was, I thought it was scary. It kind of creeped me out, you know? So I don't know, whatever. Anyway, I think... I just mourn for the loss of good horror films. I think that scary imagery goes so much further than jump scares. Like in The Ring, um, the photographs where the people's faces are blurred out, I think that's legitimately creepy. And it's not, in itself, it's not a super scary thing. But the way it's used in the movie, it's a more lasting scary thing than a jump scare would be and so creative things like that i think are well and it's unsettling because yeah that you normally come upon so Mm -hmm. yeah and then well and then they had that scene later with the guy um 
And he's like looking at like a security camera and his face is all blurred. And yeah, he's like putting his hand like over his face and then like it like distorts as soon as his, you know, so it's it's kind of like it adds to that as well, where he's like, whoa, something's like weird is happening here. Why does my face look like that on the camera? Um, And I I love the ring. I think the ring is a great film and it's creepy. And like literally the only issue I have with it is that the son is too creepy. And I wish they'd chosen like a cuter. Yeah. Creepy actor. Cause I, they did that in the remake of the Omen and like the original one in the seventies, the kid is like cute. So you're like, whatever, he can't be the son of the devil. (laughs) Like, Like he's this cute little kid. But then in the new one, you're like, no, that kid is definitely the son of the devil. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, like, cause he's just such he's just such a creep so uh, yeah creepy kids is also a trope that usually isn't done very well creepy kids yeah yeah i know yeah no it's it's either they're like too they look too creepy and so you're immediately like okay well fuck that kid because he's the worst you know like so you're not you know you're not like oh they're a cute little kid there's nothing they can do wrong you're immediately just like "Mm -mm, i don't trust this child no way yeah 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 Yeah. so i need to know lauren i'm changing the subject what did you think of the movie tenet lauren (laughs) watched the movie tenet this past week we and decided i to do know. a mini topic on it so you were were you just dying to change a topic because you wanted to know how what i thought of it but yeah that's what i just said <laughs> <laughs> okay um <clears throat> i <laughs> it certainly was a movie <laughs> <laughs> You know, there was a camera, there were characters, there was time for plot. (laughs) I wouldn't say that I loved it. I thought that there was a lot of issues. Um, I can't believe you said love. I would have started with, I wouldn't say I liked it, but you just jumped right to love. I have to say that I did. There were some, there were certain parts that I did actually like. Um, I thought the action scenes were kind of fun. So I have to say that those were, those were interesting. Um, they definitely kept me on the edge of my seat, the action scenes. And I really liked the subplot of Kat and Seder. I thought that that was an interesting subplot, but other than that, I really like, it was confusing and it was fucking quiet, which is <laughs> like, it was so quiet. Okay. Like just to put in perspective of like the kind, like just for viewers, the kind of um, how loud I like my movies. So my volume is usually around like 18. And this movie, I had it at about 40. So yeah, it was, it was very quiet and the music was very loud. So you, well, first of all, I always have, I always have subtitles on when I watch a movie because I like can't hear. And also it's very quiet. That probably is why I can't hear, but whatever. Anyway. um, But the music was like so overwhelmingly loud that I was like, what, what did they just say? No, 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 no. Go back. What did what just happen here? I'm like, I'm like, why is the music so loud in this fucking movie? And I was texting you and I was like, I'm like, 
I was like, am I legitimately like losing my hearing or is this movie super quiet? And you're like, no, it's really quiet. And I was like, oh my God. Okay, good. <laughs> because I can't hear fucking shit in this film. Yeah. The sound design was awful. And yeah. I don't know why it was like that. Like surely they watched through a copy of it before they, you know, stamped the end on it. You know? Right. No, I don't. Yeah. I, let's see. I have notes. I wrote like a ton of notes. Um, First of all, one of the things I wrote is that I actually forget how much I like Robert Pattinson outside of Twilight. I think he's a very talented actor. Um, I've seen him in, in a couple of other things. And I've, like, other than Twilight, I actually really like his performance in pretty much everything I've seen him in. I think he's a, I think he's a good actor. Um, and I'm kind of excited to see what he's going to do as Batman. So that was my first note. The second note was that the lead character is kind of boring. First of all, there's no, like, you have no idea who this guy is. You don't even, he doesn't have a name. His name is Protagonist. Mm -hmm. And I felt like they mentioned that so much that it was, like, trying to be meta, but it wasn't working. At, like, it was, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, they're like, oh, no, you're the protagonist. And I'm like, okay mentioning that once would be one thing where i'd be like okay that was kind of meta that was kind of cool but then when they kept mentioning it and everyone's like you're the protagonist you're the protagonist and i'm like so is this like is this like a what is that word like a um title that's it i'm like is this like a title like lieutenant or like oh you know what i good, mean like yeah like protagonist like i could see that but they don't explain that. No. So like the entire movie, you're just like, okay, he's the protagonist. So first of all, don't like announce to me who the good guy is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, let me figure that out on my own. It's like, it's like, you're the, you're the protagonist. And then what are they going to do? Go to Seder and be like, by the way, you're the villain. Like, and now everyone knows. And it's like, I figured that out from the beginning that he was the villain. Also, Listen, I love Kenneth Branner, but why the fuck is this guy playing a Russian? Uh, like, there's no other Russian actors available. I have a really hard time believing that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's like a really loud helicopter going over right now. Is there? I can't. Do, even hear you it. can't hear it. Mm. Oh, I probably didn't even need to say <laughs> anything then. Um. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I think the whole movie is so slipshod because all the characters are just there. You don't yeah. really know anything about them. And I don't like my number one thing is if, if there's this ability to send things back through time, why not send things back to like the industrial revolution to make changes when the climate crisis started, you know? Right, right, right. Yeah. Why I, do you have to send weapons back in time to potentially destroy the future? It's, it's nonsensical, not to mention the fact that the, sound design is so horrible and they have this weird painting subplot that it, it's just so convoluted yeah it and was then very, when yeah when you finally see the mechanism that they're trying to get it's like a kebab of machinery parts that <laughs> supposedly does something but the whole the movie, movie you're like supposed to like rhythm like you're supposed to care about it, but I don't care about it because I don't even know what it is. Yeah, no, that's exactly like I was like, is that just like an extra large bead? Like what's happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like, I need to make the giants a necklace. <laughs> <laughs> the gods. 
it's it's bizarre and yeah well and so you had mentioned before that there's a scene where um there is like the the scientist who's like just don't think about it too yeah. much because it, i'm like okay and they kept repeating the same phrase which was it it, it inverts the entropy and i was like <laughs> what does that even mean? Like, you just, you keep <laughs> saying it. Like, me as the audience member is like, oh, right, yes, inverting the entropy. I totally understand. <laughs> Good thing I got that master's in physics last year. Um, you know, like, it yeah. is just like, it's just, you know, like, I'm like, I'm an expert in time dilation. Like, it's just, it, no, okay. <laughs> so, it was, it, it was just a lot of stuff where I think that they are um, banking on like they're banking on the audience being just just a little bit ignorant or something. Well, and, and also like I think they were counting on the visuals being so enamoring that you wouldn't care about the science as much, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> and I mean it was it was visually interesting. I mean, I, think I it won an Academy Award, I think, for visual really? effects. I think something yeah. And that surprised me because I was like, so they're just they're just handing those out, I guess. <laughs> I know. Did you see my face? I was like, mm-hmm. yeah. I did. <laughs> like, I don't um, know. I don't know that movie should get awards, but okay. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Let's <laughs> let's yeah. Let's just do that. Um. So I did. One thing I did think that was kind of interesting was um, that at one point they're talking about the consequences of blowing up the plane and i said i've never heard an action star be worried about the consequences of their actions so i was <laughs> like good. yeah i was like okay i'm i liked that i thought that was kind of cool but that was like only a very small part but then there was um so then there's a scene where he's like attacking that guy sanjay sanjay and his wife is like okay i'll give you information i'm like so the guy put the protagonist puts away the gun and she's sitting with him like drinking like you know tea like they're old friends and she's just like let me just tell you everything that i know and it's like okay if i were in her situation and i was some whatever she is she's like a drug lord or whatever she is what is she i think like she's an lord? arms dealer oh it's okay so she's an arm arm lord anyway is that right um, am i right is she an arms dealer? i think she's an arms dealer yeah okay so if it were me and someone just threatened my husband and they put their gun down, I would have them killed. <laughs> like I would, if I was in her position and I had that much power, I would just be like, you just threatened my husband's life and now I'm going to have you killed. So, but you is never there, this again. I know what you're saying and I agree with you, but in this movie, is there implication that they've met before at a different time that he just doesn't remember or something weird? I don't or know. Or is that their I, first meeting? Because that's another thing that was really confusing. Like, they were talking like they were best friends. Like, it's been, you know, like, like suddenly like, I trust you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it mm -hmm. was very strange. Like, she's like, she's like, oh, sit down, you know, like, would you like a, like a full course meal? I would love to do whatever. Would you like to stay the weekend at my estate, my palatial <laughs> estate? We're best friends now. Anyway, <laughs> I was very the played by Catherine by Hepburn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I agree with you. And it was just so much talking and so much exposition that exposition exposition that was built on a platform of nonsense. So none of the exposition made sense. So it was just like. 
piling confusion on top of confusion on top of confusion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was big time. I noticed that too. It was a lot of exposition and there was like in the action parts I liked, but then the exposition parts I just didn't really care about. I was kind of bored. Like I was like, okay. And um there's one part too I, that I wrote down where I said at one point Neil is talking to Cat and he starts talking about the law of laws of physics and I said, and this would have been a good point to actually explain what the fuck is going on in the movie. <laughs> Oh, yeah, like when he talks about, like, pushing your grandfather down the stairs or something. Yeah, like, he, he has this whole, like, you know, this kind of, like, mini, like, uh, soliloquy or monologue or whatever. Um, and then, I don't there's just nothing to it. <laughs> the monologue, also- I know you haven't seen the Royal Tenenbaums, but maybe some listeners listening have, but the monologue that he gives about the grandfather thing when he's, like, you know, if you go back and kill your grandfather, maybe you won't exist, maybe you will, or whatever. And there's this line in uh, The Royal Tenenbaums that's like, uh, Owen Wilson's character is talking about a book he wrote, and he said, you know, history knows that Custer died at the Battle of Little Bighorn, but what my book does is it presupposes that maybe he didn't. (laughs) And it's just like, that's what Robert (laughs) Pence is little monologue about killing your grandfather in the past and maybe it'll exist maybe you won't in the future is reminiscent of except in Royal Tenenbaums it's done for like clever comedy but in Tenet it's done for real (laughs) yeah yeah no it was yeah um the dialogue I thought was super cheesy too like they're the one part this is the one part that I really remember because I remember being like, what did he just say? And I was like laughing at it because I was so stupid. But it was the part where he brings the um, the drawing or whatever, uh, the Goya drawing to Kat, the protagonist does. And she's like, this isn't real. Or, or he, she says something like that. And he goes, but what does your heart tell you? And I was like, <laughs> What? Did he just say that to her? About like, a painting? <laughs> like about, like a, a pro, like not only that, but she's a professional, like she's, she can tell whether or not like arts, like our, our um, paintings or whatever are fake or yeah. they're forged or whatever, <laughs> if they're real or not. And he's like, what is your heart tell you? And I was like, what kind of bullshit, like teenage dream? Like, like, no, it was just so... And I, I think I just kind of sat there and I was like stunned that they included that line. Like I was just amazed. Like I was like, um, are we on the same page here? <laughs> <laughs> so, and I don't, um, I don't really like that the only reason that she was sticking around with Seder was because he was like blackmailing her over like declaring that a, a painting was fake or not. I was like, Okay, you know what? If your reputation gets ruined, um, I think her son had something to do with it as well. Oh, her, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But um, but I agree with you. The painting thing was just stupid. Like they could have just cut that out. Yeah, that it, like I think what they should have focused more on is um, like I didn't think the painting really had even anything to do with the story. Like I was very confused as to how that. How even- many millions of dollars did they spend on this that vault scene where they were in like Scandinavia going right. through the vaults? That was, it didn't matter in the slightest if you no, cut the pa- like the painting story is pointless, so the vault story is pointless. Right. 
but they had this like like technical cinematic fight with his future self that you found out later and i think that that whole thing it was just pointless no i know and like even when you find out that it's actually him in the suit it wasn't like it was the type of thing where i feel like you're supposed to be like as the audience member you're supposed to be like oh my god that's such a twist but i was like oh it's him yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. like i wasn't yeah. like impressed i, I wasn't... think i put it together earlier than that scene too that it was him <laughs> because you know in a movie about time travel of this caliber it's only a matter of time before the future selves and the past selves meet in some way yeah that yeah yeah <laughs> but it was I mean, just the whole thing was like so confusing and weird. And in that weird weird. last battle scene, I still have no idea why they had that weird war. What? What? I don't. It. What were they even shooting at? Like, I don't. I don't even know who they were shooting at. Yeah, I don't know. They were like shooting at each other. It seemed like because yeah, there. It wasn't like they've established that this army is here. I don't. The movie didn't make any sense at that point. No, any sense that it was making, which was not much at all was totally lost in the end like it was like a golf war movie all of a sudden they were in like a deserty area hiding yeah. behind blown up buildings oh i guess they were in russia or siberia or something but still yeah it was very very weird yeah so and i also wrote down cat is terrible she knows the world is going to end if Sater dies but she couldn't wait like 10 more minutes to make sure everything was fine before killing Sater. like she knew that it was like the end of the line like this was like just wait a couple more minutes you know but instead she's like i couldn't wait anymore and i was like okay well i'm glad that the entire earth relied on whether or not you waited 10 fucking minutes to kill your shitty husband would understand that i mean you couldn't wait anymore so it's just like whatever it's fine you know kill yeah in the world like ah! <laughs> like it's just Oh, and I, I liked, I liked her. I like Elizabeth Debicki a lot, actually. I think that I, the more stuff I've seen her and the more I like her, I think she's, um, I think she's a great actress and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing her in more stuff. I like her, but that whole thing where like, I, it was kind of clever, I guess that he had like the dead man switch where no, you know what? I don't think it was as I'm saying this (laughs) because to me, it's like, the equi- okay so like did you ever see the movie sahara it's with uh, penelope yes. cruz and okay um so there's like a whole thing where this like despot wants to like destroy the earth's water supply right right so oh well, i guess it's been a long time okay <laughs> so i i like that movie i i own it but um so he wants to destroy the earth's water supply and it's kind of like along the same lines of like in um uh, the guardians of the galaxy where i can't remember the raccoon's name what is his name rocket rocket yeah so rocket's like why do you want to save this stupid galaxy and then um star lord is like because i'm one of the idiots that live in it like it's like one of those things where like in sahara this person wanted to destroy like or to like poison all the world's water i'm like you still live on that planet that has all the water destroyed so you're gonna die too like it's yeah just, like, yeah it's, it's one of those things where in tenet he's like i have he's first of all and when i was reading it in the wikipedia page 
they said that he was a Russian oligarch. Ogle, og, ogle. I think you got it right the first time. I got it. Okay. <laughs> That's what I thought, but I wasn't sure. Oligarch. But when I was watching the movie and there was the subtitles on, it said that he was speaking Estonian. And I thought that, so I'm like, is he, was he Estonian or was he Russian? But I don't know. I, I think that he, I think that um, Kenneth Branagh did a good job. I would have liked to actually see like a real Russian actor play that role um, because it kind of bugs me when they do shit like that. It's like, it's like having like an American play like an Irish person, you know, there's like this movie coming out called like Wild Time, like Wild Mountain Time or whatever. It's with like Jamie Dornan and like Emily Blunt and um, and like John Hamm and like like Christopher Walken are in it and they're like Irish but I'm like hey these are like the most American men <laughs> like, you I don't know I don't I think it as long as they're not playing like a different race then that I think that that's totally fine because they're probably the right person for the who the director wanted and envisioned for the role for the most part I think yeah I, guess. I mean I mean I'm like little, I'm you're suggesting that, that like any so you think like any British person playing an American is also shouldn't be done no, that's fine. I don't know why. I don't know why it's different, but that's fine for some reason. I think I- as long as they do a good job and as long as their accent is passable. Obviously, like I'm not Russian or Irish, so I couldn't say like, oh, their accent is terrible. But if to my ears, it sounds like if I heard them and I thought, oh, they're Russian or oh, they're Irish, then that I don't think that's offensive or anything to me. I I don't mind it. Like. But it, it would be like Johnny Depp playing a Native American. That's when it becomes offensive. But oh, yeah, like, I don't know. Like the movie where he played a Native American. A white person playing another ethnically white group of people or any other like ethnicity playing an ethnicity that is similar to theirs. That doesn't bother me. If he does, since he did a fine job playing a Russian, that doesn't like, that's definitely not something that I even like thought about. So it's interesting because. I mean, I, yeah, I, I guess I'm kind of like, I guess it was, it maybe wasn't so much the fact that it was an English person playing him. It was more the fact that it was Kenneth Branagh. I think I would have liked someone else to play that role. And which is funny. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, like, okay. So this is a little different, but he plays a a role, uh, a character called Professor Lockhart. I can't can't for the life of me remember his first name but anyway in harry potter but in the books (laughs) lockhart is like 20 something super attractive young guy who's like very charismatic and so when he was cast as lockhart people were like um no (laughs) because he doesn't fit the role you know i don't know It, it I don't know. I'm a very complex and multi-layered person. What can I say? I just <laughs> That's true. That's yeah. true. No, I'm it's interesting. I think it's interesting. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, overall I would say uh Tenant is very confusing. It's weird. There's like pretty much no character development on the protagonist whatsoever. Um other than he was like obsessed with saving this woman. Yeah, for and- I don't know why. <laughs> Yeah, it seemed like, I mean, I appreciate that he was because he wanted to help her out, but um, she could have destroyed the world. So just saying, like, <laughs> you know, it's like, 
I mean, I understand why, like, you want to save somebody, but I mean, he had like a weird obsession with with saving. Yeah, he did. Yeah, it was, and that uh, I think would have. Like maybe he didn't want to do the trope of like having a like thrown together love story, which is fine. But at the same time, right. the level of obsession he had with her needed a little bit more storyline because yeah. it just seemed just as ridiculous as any other part of the story. So like maybe like Samantha rewrites the movie and this one part is that, oh, you remember your old high school girlfriend that you haven't seen in 20 years? Well, she's in trouble and you have to save her, you know? Right, hey, right. Easy peasy. Now we have a reason for him to like have all this affection for this woman that as the viewer, we've never seen them interact prior to this. Right. And so we like, don't know why he cares so much, you know? Right. Or it could have been something where she helped him out of a sticky situation and saved his life. And so he's like, I have to return the favor, you know, yeah. she helped me. So, yeah. But the fact that like, and I, I even would have been on board if he was like, I'm really into her. Like I like her and I have feelings for her then sure. Yeah. I get that. But the fact that he just had this obsession. Yeah. Unexplained was, it was just very like, okay, like that, you know? And I mean, like maybe if they had some sort of, um, thing where he had like a horribly abusive father and so he felt for her because she has a horribly abusive husband then sure but there's no like there's no yeah character development for the protagonist and you know the entire time I kept thinking I was like I'd really love to see this actor in like a historical like period romance <laughs> where he's like mm-hmm. the lead the like male lead like he has like if he shaved that face or the shaved that face if he shaved his beard I <laughs> shave that face shave that face it works <laughs> I think that he would have um like I think he has the face for it you know like that old-fashioned like and I was kind of like that'd be really cute and like romantic and I'd be totally on board with that but whatever yeah so so yeah that's how I felt about it interesting yeah that's I'm glad you hated it you said to me what if I love it and I I was like I would be interested to hear uh, the perspective of somebody who loved it because that would be a very interesting bit of information well, I didn't, I didn't hate it. I wouldn't say I hated it, um, but I, I, I don't think it was very good. I sure, think it was very yeah. confusing. Yeah. But yeah. I, there were parts that I definitely enjoyed. So I, I, I wouldn't say I hated it overall. I would say it was, you know, I give it like probably like a good, like maybe four out of 10 stars and four is even being a little bit generous. So yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, yeah. that was, that was worth the wait. <laughs> I'm glad that it was. So ready to talk about the movie? I am. All right. Let's do it. First, we should say that this is for listener Nicole. Happy she requested, birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday, Nicole. I think it's not what the 18th. Yeah. Yeah. So we're doing a little early, but a little early, but she requested us to do uh, Titanic or either Titanic or Romeo and Juliet for her birthday. So Titanic, yeah. happy birthday, Nicole. Yeah. Thank you for your re- request suggestion. Happy birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday. <laughs> yeah, I wanted to do it a little early because we are going to take two weeks off, you guys. So we will be back. I believe it's the 31st. Let me just double check here, though. Okay. So we will be back on the 31st. So this movie that we've all had part of our lives for so long. <laughs> 
what did you think of it um i really like this movie i i know i've talked about this on past episodes uh but for anyone who hasn't heard it i have an interesting history with this movie so i saw it obviously when it was in theaters and i think i was 13 mm-hmm. when it came out and i loved it i loved it loved it loved it i had it on vhs which was two tapes yep. <laughs> you know yep, I did it was too. such a long movie i saw it multiple times in theaters I, here. <laughs> I i was just it was it was i was in the group of 90s schoolgirls who really liked the movie and thought leo was cute and all of that thing and then i got a little older and i remember when i was in around college age i watched it again and i did not like it at that time because i thought like oh the acting is not very good it's so long i want to be cool so i'm gonna say that this movie sucks you know all those things that you're, happen when you're in wait, college can i interrupt you real quick there was like this whole time like where everyone was like it was like cool to not like titanic was there yeah there was like this like this whole thing through my high school where people were like titanic's so lame like yeah it was like a whole big thing when i was when i was a teenager yeah so i don't know if you were experiencing that too or if it was just what i was going through in in my particular part of the world at the time but um yeah i I don't remember it being a thing i just remember like watching it with my like 20 year old eyes and saying like this movie is not good i don't like this movie also i'm more into cooler movies that are not titanic you know and then i i held that for a little while and then when i got into like my mid to late 20s i was like who am i fooling and one of the things i like this movie i do i like it i can't Mm -hmm. you know i can't deny it it's i think the acting is good I know I said that when I was like in my 20, early 20s, I was poo-pooing it, but I think it's good. I think it's well acted. I think it's a phenomenal like cinematic feat. Uh, and also I just, I just think it's so nostalgic and it's, it's yeah. a very beautiful love story. And um, one day, I think I've told this story before on the podcast as well, but it's inevitably, I have two stories about Titanic. This one is inevitably connected to Titanic now because when Mike and I were first hanging out, he came over to my apartment and we stayed up all night just hanging out, like drinking beer, watching TV, chatting. I We went on my balcony and I was like showing him stars and he was showing me like constellations. We were looking at stars through my binoculars and he like, it was just super fun. And we, we just hung out all night, literally all night. Like he went home in the morning and it was a Friday night and he went home. I actually Saturday. remember that. I remember you telling me about that. <laughs> but like, went, like you texted me the next day and being like, I hung out with Mike all night. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I was so excited <laughs> for you. I was like, oh. It was like early summer. And so it was super sunny. And so he went home. I feel like he probably went home around like eight or nine in the morning. Mm-hmm. He went home and it was a Saturday morning. And so I finally went to bed for a couple hours because it was, I hadn't slept all night. And I woke up and was just like, today's a pajama day. And I was just in like a super good mood. And Titanic, was, I had cable at that time and E was playing Titanic like all day. And cable Titanic is, I'm not kidding, five hours long because of commercials. Oh and so I turned on the TV 
and Titanic was on. And I was in my 30s at this point. I was like probably 33. And I turn on the TV and I thought, oh, I'll just casually watch Titanic. And it was part of the way through it, but not all the way through. It was, I'm sure there was like a good three hour, four hours left of it. Right. And so I watched it in my pajamas and I was just like hanging out. And then when it ended, it started again and I watched it again. So <laughs> you watched the whole thing or just like up to where you'd stop? No, I watched the whole thing again. Oh, wow. I mean, okay. Like I didn't sit on my couch and like wrapped attention, but I pretty much right. watched it twice, give or take. And it was just like, it's just a, such a happy memory because it was just like such a happy day and I was so excited because we had such fun and and here's this new man in my life who's really cool and here's Titanic this like I mean it's not really a feel-good movie but it is kind of a feel-good movie no, it, yeah and it's hard to say aspects, yeah <laughs> yeah and and just like it's a comfortable movie it's cozy because I know it and it you know and it, and it was just like such a good memory that Titanic is always going to have that place but I also have another oh. memory that I've never told told you before and that's when I was 12 the summer so Titanic Titanic came out in November 1997 so I had turned 13 before I saw the movie but I was 12 in like June of 1997 and my brother who's six years older than me was kind enough one night to say hey me and my friend Matt are going to see Batman and Robin do you want to come and he took me to like this novel late night showing of Batman and Robin which mm -hmm. is really cool when you're 12 and your I don't know 18 year old brother I don't math right now 19 year old brother is like hey you want to come see a movie with me and my 19 year old friend at, right. at a late show in the summertime and it's just like yeah I do and I remember watching the trailer you know me I love trailers I've always oh, loved yeah. trailers I remember seeing the trailer for Titanic that night and I remember becoming like 12 year old girl obsessed thinking <laughs> I cannot wait for this. Like it was more obviously more compelling than Batman and Robin, but <laughs> right. it was like, Is I remember George Clooney. Yeah. Okay. And I just remember that excitement of waiting for Titanic. And when the movie came out, it did not disappoint. And, and that's right just like a really fun memory so yeah so it's just this movie has just a, a very long history in my life and I'm sure yours too so what do you think of it tell me the story um so I saw the movie twice in theaters and I think the first time I saw it with my mom and she covered my eyes during the scene, <laughs> <laughs> the scene where I think it was it was mostly the scene where she was being drawn naked and um <laughs> And I remember being like, no, mom, I want to see. <laughs> you know? and, and, uh, so I saw it twice. I don't know who I saw it the second time with. I might have seen it twice with my, my mom, but that doesn't seem very likely because she's she's the type of person who like sees a movie once and then like that's it. And I don't understand that because I'm the type of person who's like, like I just bought the spy who dumped me because I took it off Hulu and I've seen it like easily 15 times. <laughs> you know? Like, and I was like, gonna watch it for another 15. <laughs> you know, so I mean, I love it. But um, I think that I kind of had a similar experience where, like I told you earlier, that when I was like a teenager, like everyone thought that it was like not cool to like Titanic. There was this whole thing. And 
which is weird and I was like on board too because I was like whatever Titanic's so lame but then as I got older I was like okay well actually I love this movie (laughs) so um and there's there was something that happened when I I think I want to say it was in like middle school and I can't remember the guy's name but we were on a trip we were like on a bus like to like for school like it was a school trip and the it, it must have got like steamy inside the bus or something like that because I think it was like cold outside and there was a lot of kids in the bus you know and <laughs> there's this one kid who like dipped down so you couldn't see his head and then he like smacked his hand against the <laughs> window and like dragged it down and went look I'm in Titanic and I remember <laughs> thinking that was the funniest fucking shit I had heard in like a long time and uh so I always remember that memory and I wish I could remember who the guy was because he I remember this dude being very funny like he was um there was one time where we were all in class and he was like we have to exercise and he'd go flex 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 <laughs> like so he was funny but I can't remember who it was so you I, should look through I, old yearbooks <laughs> don't even I think I only have three yearbooks from high school and I don't think I have any from middle school yeah I I was not um I was kind of like one of those people where I was like I don't care I'm out bye but anyway um so yeah I I love this movie I um watched it I mean obviously yesterday and and Thursday but the last time I watched it was I was I was dating someone and we watched it together and it was his choice to watch it and I remember just having like a really fun time with him you know we were talking about all the different like scenes and um especially some of the more like tragic scenes when the the, the ship was actually sinking but as I was watching it this time, so I watched the first half on Thursday and then on, then yesterday I was, I, I had just gotten my shot on Wednesday, my second vaccination shot. And I think that I was dealing with like, well, I told you, like I was dealing with like some um, side effects. I think I was like tired and headachy and stuff. So on Thursday I, or on Friday, I slept from like 7.45 to like 10.45 like I took a long ass nap. Wow. And I, yeah. And I woke up and I was like, I'm like, you have to finish the movie. Either you have to do it now or you have to do it tomorrow morning. And I was, just, I was just like, fine, I'll do it now, but I won't be happy about it. I'll go play <laughs> the entire time. <laughs> so I watched it and I didn't cry. I was surprised because when I was watching it on Thursday, I was getting like overwhelmed with nostalgia and I was getting emotional at parts that weren't emotional. Like I was just like, like he shows up in like the suit that Molly Brown gave him. And I was like, oh my God, you know what I mean? Like just stuff like that. So it was funny that I was like, like when I watched the second half, I was like, oh yeah, that's, that's really sad that he died. But I wasn't, I didn't have, I think I was I was hungry and I didn't eat until like midnight that night. So I was like, and it like the last time eaten, I had eaten was like three. So it had been like a long time before. And, and so anyway, yeah. Um, but that's my story. That's my story about how I, I wash it and everything. So, but yeah, I actually have someone that I'm really excited to talk about, um, complain about more like, and I think you're going to be surprised as to who it might be. Oh, well, so we get started. Yeah, let's do it. So the person that I want to talk about, um, that I want to complain about is Rose's mother. <laughs> so 
Uh, first of all, Ruth is a terrible mother, and I fucking hate Ruth. She's, wow, really? Yes. And I will tell you why she is a terrible mother. This viewing is the first time I've watched it, and I haven't thought she's a terrible mother. So that's, please go on. That's interesting. So, um, so Cal, like from the beginning, is clearly a very possessive and um, controlling man. You know, he's he's obviously like he dismisses how rose feels about things like when she she has like a picasso and a monet like all this like amazing famous artwork which i couldn't help but feel like even though i knew i, I didn't well i don't actually know if the picasso and the monet was actually on the titanic or not yeah like, i didn't look that up but that's a good question yeah and like especially because they're like such famous artists that that's not something that like would just be dismissed people would be like oh yeah the picasso's at the bottom of the ocean with the titanic you know um and she was like i just love these paintings you know puts them in like a dream it's like a, being in a dream and so i automatically was like yes rose this is like the best because i also love art and um he is just like dismissive of her he doesn't care like that that's what she likes you know whatever anyway i mean it's like all the classic signs of an abusive asshole and later rose is like talking to her mom about how she's like i'm not happy and i don't want to marry cal i i'm not you know like happy with this situation blah blah, blah. and her mom is like well, when your father died, we lost all of our money. What do you want me to be? You want me to be a seamstress? And it was like, so you're okay. But what Ruth is basically saying to me, to her daughter, is I don't care that you have to deal and marry this abusive asshole as long as I don't have to be poor. And it's like, the, like, this, like Cal is the type of person who if you find out 15 years later down the road that he murdered his wife, you're not surprised by it. He's physically abusive. It's, it's not a step away from murder. Like it's not, it's really not, you know? Um, and what she's saying is that she doesn't care that her daughter is suffering, that she doesn't want to be in this relationship because God forbid she might have to be a seamstress. It's like, you would rather put your daughter in potential in, in potential like like life like what am i trying to say like life threatening danger because you don't want to be poor like it's like it, it was just like i was astonished and i was like fuck you ruth you're a piece of shit like you were so okay with feeding your daughter to the wolves just so you don't have to work a little bit and i mean she was like so stuck up cal's ass the entire fucking movie and it was so obvious that rose could have not cared less about him and it was just like why doesn't ruth just marry cal if she's so obsessed with being rich you know what i mean and and i i thought she was a terrible mother i was i was astonished that she was so okay with just letting her daughter be like physically assaulted by this guy i mean what kind of relationship was that going to be you know and again again potentially putting her in a situation where she could get killed you know so that's what i feel about ruth yeah i 
a little different for me. I this was the first time I watched the movie where I didn't think her mother was cruel because I think you're thinking of it in modern terms and it's not a modern thing. Like it's not like, oh, we're poor, let's just go get a job at McDonald's. Being right. poor in nineteen twelve is a lot different than being poor in two thousand twenty one. That's true. And um and I think that that, that would be terrifying um like think of the medical things you've had done in your life okay that now now take your life and you were born in 1890 now think of those same medical things happening in your life in like say year 1906 you know i would probably be in a wheelchair yeah so because I, I think I like, broke my ankle and I broke it so severely that they were like, if you break it again, you won't be able to walk. Yeah. So, Jeez, really? That's so walk. intense. It was very bad. I have eight pins and a plate in there. Oh my gosh. I knew mm-hmm. that you had broken it really bad, but I didn't know it was like that. That's intense. It was yeah. 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 I think of like some surgical procedures I've had done in my life and how thankful I am to be born now. Oh yeah. And I think that being poor in the Victorian age, I don't actually know if 1912 was still considered Victorian, but it's right in there. So it's like right around. In 1901. Okay. So around that time period where I think like being poor wasn't just like, we don't have a a lot of money. We can't go out to eat. Like being poor was like, your life is completely different, you know? And so I really felt for her in this one because I thought that the interaction between her and Rose was interesting when Rose was like, how can you put this all on my shoulders? Right. And, the, and Ruth is like, how can you be so selfish? And I can see, I can empathize with both of them because I don't think Rose, I don't think Ruth, sorry. I don't think Ruth was thinking of like, I just don't want to be poor. I think she was thinking of like all the shame that comes with being poor and the potential life threatening situations they'd be thrust upon. Like two women poor, like would they live, where would they live? You know, like their whole life, the life as they know it would be over. And assumably she might die a lot younger. Like Ruth might die a lot younger than she would if she was rich. So I, really empathized with her and then at the end when rose says it's not fair and ruth says of course it's not fair we're women i got a glimpse that it's not that ruth loves cal so much it's that ruth is ruth knows the cost of following your heart as opposed to doing what is prudent and i think that that's why i empathize with her more uh, because yeah, yeah, Jack is following your heart. You love him. He loves you. You guys would probably have a very fulfilling life together, but Jack can't provide for you. Right. And, and I, and Cal can provide for both of us and we'll be safe. And I'm not saying it's right. Like, I, I don't think, I'm not saying well, that that point of view is, is right. Yeah. I'm just saying I empathize with her point of view because I think that would be a really, Like, she's basically staring down the barrel of a gun if Cal doesn't marry Rose. 
And so I think you're, I, I understand your opinion and I think right. your opinion is valid because Cal is awful and he is an abuser and he's a terrible partner, but I don't, I don't necessarily feel the same way you do about Ruth because I, I feel more sympathy towards her in this viewing. Okay. Yeah. I can, I can totally see where you're coming from. Um, I, I, like, I agree with you and I don't at the same time, you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. yes, but also fuck Ruth. <laughs> but, um, so actually, um, this, what you just mentioned kind of plays into a different question that I had for you. Cause I wrote down like, so I wrote down so much stuff. It's like, I had never seen the movie before. Like, it was <laughs> I love it. Um, so one of my questions is, do you think that like, okay, let me, let me preface this by saying there are a couple scenes where Rose is like, Jack, after this whole thing is over, you know, I want to get off the boat with you. I want to be with you. And he's kind of like, okay, but he doesn't really like agree to it, you know? Um, and then there's later when they're on or they're in the water and she tells him that she loves him and he doesn't say it back. I noticed that. I, I noticed that this time. Yeah. I don't know if I noticed that before, but I noticed it this time. Yeah. So my question to you is, do you think that he wanted her to get off the boat with him and be with him? Or do you think he was like, you say that, but I don't know if that's really going to happen. Cause I feel like it might be the second one. I think that Jack is a very, very much a free spirit. I don't think he would stay in one spot. And I think that Rose has been accustomed to a certain you know, level of living. Like he said one night that he slept under a bridge. Do you think Rose is going to be sleeping under a bridge? I can't really see that. You know, like mm -hmm. I, I, I would not be considered first class. I would probably be considered second class or whatever, but there's no fucking way I'm going to sleep under a bridge. <laughs> you know, like, hell no. You know, it's like, so I'm just You're not saying, second class to me. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> um, no, that's, that's a really I'll good point. First class in my heart. <laughs> And my and you know what, my heart it will go on, <laughs> on. Uh, when I was in high school, my friend Amber and I were um coming home. We were in the marching band, and we were coming home from a marching band competition, uh -huh. like two cool, you know, cool kids in high school. But uh, we were making a parody song of "My Heart Will Go On," and she she said she was doing like her lines, and she was like pretending to look through cabinets and she's like looking for Futi and she's like my heart my heart will go flan flan my heart will go flan and so that's like forever in there just bouncing around now <laughs> that's funny um oh, man. <laughs> no that's a really good observation and I think I don't think it's that Jack didn't want her to accompany him I think it's more that Jack knows how the world works and isn't certain that she would continually be happy accompanying him. Yeah. Because I think his feelings for her were legit. Like, I think he loved her. I wish he would have said it because yeah. I, mean, like, I thought it was weird. Like, in the moment, I thought it was really weird that he didn't say it to her ever. Well, especially since, like, you know you're probably going to die. Like, yeah. Like, what? And so, you know, like, like I think his feelings were legitimate. But he was too concerned with, like, her staying alive, you know, so he gave her that right. pep talk. But 
so I, I'm, I feel like he, it, he wanted her to come with him, but I think he, the logical part of him knew that there's a good chance that in, you know, a year or two, they would, she would be very like, um, bitter towards him because they're yeah. like being poor. Like I said, like being poor, isn't like we both have to work part-time jobs. It's like poor in a, in a world that neither of us have ever lived in you know yeah you're very yeah you're very right and it's on i mean it's on the verge of world war one you know world war one happens mm-hmm. two years later so or, so it's like it's you know um i i think i agree with you i wish that he had told her i love you too uh but i think that first of all rose is only 17 in the movie i'm i was gonna I, am I interrupting you? Because no. I got that's no go for it. Go for it. When I hear what you said. Okay. Cause that's in my notes. I've never caught that line before. And I was going to tell you that something strange happened when I was watching this movie. So all my life up until uh, Wednesday when I started the movie. So all my life until then mm-hmm. with this movie, I don't think I've ever noticed that he said she was 17. Um, the guy on the ship. <laughs> And I had to like Google it because I was like, how old is she supposed to be? And then I was like, okay, first of all, she doesn't look 17. She no, like of course not. She's in her 20s. Yeah. But as we've talked, we both saw this movie when we were like young girls. So in my mm-hmm. head, I'm not kidding. Even when I was like in my late, even when I was in my early 30s, like in my head, Jack and Rose were always just like this nebulous older than me couple. Right. And when I heard that she was only 17, something weird happened and I was watching this movie and I was more emotional because I'm like, Oh my gosh, these are just kids. Like they don't know how the world works. These are children. Like maybe Jack is like, would you say like Jack might be like 18 or 20? I don't know. Like, so Leonardo DiCaprio, I think was 23 when the movie was made and she's, she was 22. Um, which I always thought that she looked a little bit older than him, which mm-hmm. I think is kind of funny. She's, um, she has a more mature look for sure. Yeah. She, he, well, and he had such a baby face when he was younger too. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that Jack is likely probably like at the oldest. And I think this is like an extreme level is like 25. I would say okay. probably likely like, 21 to 23 because i was thinking cal was probably like 27 to 30 maybe yeah yeah you think that's okay i could see cal being either in his early 30s or late 20s for sure Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and it just changed the movie for me because i thought no wonder she's so impulsive she's 17 years old like she's never been in love before and she's in this like fake romance with cal and she doesn't she's probably never experienced what it's like to have someone love her back, you know, like, well, that's not totally fair. Cause I think in a weird and destructive and unpleasant way, Cal does love her. Like, I think he has affection for her, not good, like not, you shouldn't marry that kind of affection, but I think right. he did love it's her. It's a very, like, possessive affection. Yeah. Like, you belong to me. I own you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But so she's never experienced, like, inequality sort of love where you're right. both, like, you love each other because you love each other, you know? And so no right. wonder, like, and I think that the love story is more beautiful now that that realization has struck me that it's like a first love probably for both of them, I assume, you know? I kind of assume it's not for him. I would assume that. I, that was I, my next question. So yeah, go ahead. I, 
so okay so let me go back to what i was saying so she's only 17 which everyone knows that at age 17 you're not making the best choices in your oh, life right because your your brain is still developing you know um i i think that part of her wanting to be with him and kind of like like thinking that this is going to be like i think she had sort of like an almost romantic ideal type of like like this is going to be great it's going to be perfect you know we'll we'll just be in love and love will take care of us and and it's like well but that's not how that works you know like and i Mm -hmm. i like unfortunately it's not you know love cannot take care of you you need to have financial security you need to have a bunch of other shit it's like um so i think that part of the reason that she was just like, oh, I'm going to go with you is naivete. Yes, you know? that's a good, that's perfect. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not saying that she shouldn't because I think that the other alternative is that you have to be married to Cal, who's a horrible person, and you are going to walk on eggshells for the rest of your life. And yeah. he could end up beating the shit out of you. And like, and like, I don't know what in 1912, what kind of, um, you know, situation was going on with, um, like a, abuse in homes or domestic violence or whatever. I assume that it's probably was not like, it was maybe just not spoken about, you know? Yeah. My, I don't know though. You know, I mean, my total assumption and guess is that it was really hard for women to break out on their own. So they probably just stayed with an abusive partner. Yeah. Same. Cause same. it would almost be impossible. Like it'd be like, like I said, you can't just go, oh, I'll, I'll get three part-time jobs in an apartment. Like that doesn't, I don't think it really worked that way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I think that, I think we've come a long way as far as dealing with people who are living in poverty goes, but I think we still have a long way to go. Oh, for sure. I mean, it's like a long way to go. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm, I'm not trying to make light of it by being like, you know, poor today is just working many jobs. I know that there are people who are struggling. I'm just saying like poor, poor has different definitions from yeah, no, the early totally. 1900s to now. Yeah. Yeah. Big time, big time. Um, so, and you, the thing is about being like poor back in that time is that I don't think you can really work your way up. Like once you're mm-hmm. born into that, you're born into there and you're going to stay there. And that's yeah. it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I mean, you saw like how when they were getting on the lifeboats that Ruth was like, surely everyone is going to be separated by class, which is also why I hate her because I was like, you know what, Ruth, fuck you. Like, I just really well, hated Ruth. Like, just- I think part of the, something that's really interesting about the movie is that Ruth is perpetually 17. Like she's perpetually naive because she's lived this insulated wealthy life she probably got married when she was a teenager like rose is gonna do and she's been protected and cared for and 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 when rose like there's that scene in the little restaurant where rose is looking at that young girl who's learning how to be dainty you know and i think that they don't realize that like times are going to change pretty drastically in the 1900s and so they're like culture and society won't always look like it has looked but in her, from her perspective, I think that Ruth has just spent her whole life separating things by class because she's, you know, she's stuck in this archaic sort of mindset. And I think that 
one it's of the cool things. Yeah, and one of the cool things about Rose is that she's like waking up. Right. Like she yeah. she's realizing like this isn't what I want. And Jack is sort of this catalyst to show her that there's a world out there. You don't have to do everything that you've been doing, you right. know? And so I think like Ruth has like Ruth, the mother has like arrested development in that instance. Yeah. Like, yeah. cause I agree with you like saying like, Oh, I hope lifeboats will be separated by class is pretty deplorable. But at the same time, I sympathize with her because I don't think she even knows what she's saying. Right. Right. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, it's like people, it's like a billionaire trying to like empathize with like a person that makes, you know, like 30,000 a year. It's like, you don't, you don't really get it. <laughs> you know, dude, like you with your private jet don't really get how much I'm struggling to just buy a plane ticket. So, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I think you make a lot of good points about Ruth. Um, I still don't like her. Yeah. I don't, well, I don't think she's supposed to be like a super likable character, but I empathize with her, I guess. And it's, and it's just other things that she does too. Like, first of all, Molly Brown is an amazing human being. Okay. <laughs> I love Molly Brown. Every time I watch this movie, I go, yes, Kathy, because <laughs> I love Molly Brown. I think she's awesome. I love that scene at the dinner table when she's like, are you going to cut her meat for her too there, Cal? <laughs> right she's so great and like 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 Ruth is just so clicky and you're right she's very like stuck in like the mindset of like a teenager because she's like with her friends and she's like oh my god that hair hor like that oh, I can't say that horrid woman is coming over to try and sit with us and she's just so loud and gossipy and I'm like um you wish that Molly Brown would come and sit with you because she's amazing <laughs> You know, like, yeah, yeah. Like, whatever. Like, this is like, they're like the mean girls and Molly Brown's, you know, like on Wednesdays we wear pink. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I love it that she beats them at their own game, though. She's like, quickly, let's stand up so she can't sit down. And then Ruth's like, oh, we were going to go walk on the deck. And Molly Brown's like, I'll take a walk as well. And I was like, ha ha, she got you. Yes, I know. <laughs> she was great. Oh, man. The unsinkable Molly Brown. So I have a question for you. And this is okay. something that they never address in the movie. And I've never thought about until now as well. But what's the story of Cal and Rose? How did they meet? Is like, did she pretend to love him and accept his proposal? Because it doesn't seem like it's quite an arranged marriage. It seems like she had the smallest shred of autonomy because she sort of speaks freely to him. You know, and I just, I, in my head, I try to imagine, like, what happened. Like, he must have seen her, thought she was beautiful, wanted to possess her, wanted to own her, and, like, wooed her, and her mother encouraged it, and Rose just sort of tumbled into this, like, relationship that I guess the next thing I do is marry him, you know? Um, actually, I do have an answer for that. There oh, is okay. A, there is a line in the movie where Ruth says is talking to her friends and she says something about how the only reason why um, a girl goes to college is to get like, yeah. And I think that likely they probably like maybe like maybe Rose is in like her first year of college or something. And that's how they met. Uh, okay. Yes. Yeah. You're right. I forgot about that where yeah. she said like college is to get a husband or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's how I think what happened is then she probably, you know, they were decided to go back to the United States because what they were in England or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, 
So they went back to the United States or they're going back. And I think that's that it was just like, oh, your education's over because now you're getting married. So you don't, yeah, to, you know, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah, that's a good point. I think that that's an interesting outlook. Yeah, yeah. Um, to okay. go back, to go back in time a little bit, or did you have something that you wanted to bring up? Well, I have a lot of notes starting from the beginning. So what did you, but what did you want to say? Well, actually, you know what? I don't think I finished my thought on Rose being 17. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. yeah. So I think, and maybe I did, maybe I'm now I'm like, maybe I did say what I meant, but what I wanted to say was, I think that part of her relationship with Jack was that um, she was a teenager and that I think that she doesn't, uh, oh, maybe I did say it. I think I feel like I did. Yeah. But she's a teenager and she feel like she didn't, you know, she's full of hormones and full of all sorts of feelings and everything like that. And then, you know, you bring sex into the the mix and then that's going to be like 10 times worse because of course she wants to be with him. And I like, I get it. And um, I I also wonder if that's maybe part of it is that she's just so young, you know? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I also think that her, her feelings are definitely infinitely valid that she does not want to marry a man who hits her. I mean, why would you, you know? Um, oh my gosh. When he overturned the breakfast table, like that scene is, that scene is intense. Yeah. It's, and I can't even imagine if I was in a situation like that where a man overturned a table and got in my face, you know, like, uh, it's, I know it's, yeah. I mean, well, and then she's like, she's sitting there and she's like shaking on the verge of crying, understandably so. And the maid who, you know, I'm sure was taught that you don't, in, you don't get involved in like people's, like this is people's lives. You don't get involved. That's not your business, you know, mm -hmm. um, go like rushes over to start cleaning up. And Rose is just like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And she's like helping her, but she's like, clearly on the verge of like tears and it was such a heavy scene that you're, yeah. you're just like oh this is the kind of guy that you're gonna marry and like and this is what you're gonna deal with for the rest of your life is like you have to be the most submissive like sure whatever you want to do Cal like you know in order for you to not invoke his wrath but even even if you're like that, even if you like give up everything about yourself to just please another person like they're an abuser. So they're still going to find ways to get angry at you and to, um, you know, use physical force or whatever. And it's, it's regardless of what, what kind of relationship they have, it's always going to be miserable for her. And she's always going to be scared of him. And that's like, anyway, so I did. Oh, can I ask you while we're on the topic of Cal? So we talked about Billy Zane a little while ago. And I said that I always thought that Billy Zane was handsome. Obviously, I don't like Cal as a character, but um, I've seen him in other things. Like he was in like a movie where he was like a superhero. And I think it was called like The Phantom. And I think it's from like the early 90s or something. From what I remember, it was pretty cheesy. But I always thought he was like a charming and charismatic actor. And so I've always thought he was attractive. And even like, even as a kid, I think I was like, that guy kind of good looking. <laughs> so, um, what do you think now that you watch the movie again? I, do, I don't know. I mean, 
he's just a guy. I don't think he's like overly attractive, but he's definitely not ugly. Okay. You know, I, he didn't, he doesn't stand out to me as somebody who's like super attractive. Uh, I always, when I was a kid, I, when I was a young girl, I obviously thought Leo was really cute, but I really thought the Irishman Tommy was like the cutest when I was like, he was, was oh he my the gosh. one that he's like, let, let us live or give us a chance to survive. Yeah. Like, and he's like, that's the way the rats are going. That's good enough for me. And like, I always so thought funny. he was so cute and he's barely in the movie, but I remember like, it was amusing me watching it this time because I remember like being like, Leo's cute, but I really like this Irish guy. <laughs> it's so funny because I didn't even give like a second thought to Tommy. I didn't even know his name was Tommy. He gets shot and he gets shot and that like really devastated me when I was a kid. I was like, oh my gosh, he dies, you know, and it was just like, but also I have a story to tell you. So my friend Bethany got married in 2014, I think, and I was mm-hmm. in the wedding. And so we went to, we had the rehearsal dinner and then we went to this like banquet hall to, or we had like the rehearsal and then we went to like a banquet hall to have the rehearsal dinner mm-hmm. and they put us in this little hall and they were playing music the whole time, just low music. And I said <laughs> to the the other bridesmaids i said oh music to eat by that's how you know you're in first class because in the movie tommy who i had a crush on as a kid no i just think it's a really clever line tommy's like music to die by that's how you know you're in first class but as soon as i said it at the rehearsal dinner i was like oh my gosh her family might think that i'm like poo-pooing the venue like because it it was a nice venue it was a fine venue it was just it was a venue it wasn't like fancy it wasn't anything it was just a place where you ate and so I felt guilty because I like maybe people don't quote movies in their head all the time like (laughs) I do and so I said by the way guys that that was from Titanic I was quoting I'm not making any comment on the restaurant and then me saying that made me embarrassed because I thought maybe they think why would she think she's not supposed to be making a comment and it was just like this whole mental thing oh no and all i wanted to do was quote titanic because it's a funny line when like the band is (laughs) the ship is sinking the band is playing and this clever irishman says music to die by now i know i'm in first class you know (laughs) so it was right right right. crisis of conscience for me and i well and i think a funny titanic joke (laughs) i think the thing is that that's one of those like throwaway lines that most people aren't even gonna like remember because if you said that to me before I watched this movie again even even if you said it to me after without explaining it to me first I might be like excuse me what is that supposed to mean I've been in public bathrooms where there's music playing and I've said oh music to pee by now I know I'm from first class I say it if if really I like in awkward situations I say it in in so anyway love it anyway that's just a little glimpse into my also a little glimpse into my 12 year old brain who picked out a guy who is in the movie for probably a total of three minutes and he was the one who i like focused on that is so funny that's adorable (laughs) you're like you're like tommy is so cute (laughs) when i watched um les miserables there was one character named grand terre in the entire movie i was like grand terre is so cute (laughs) he was only in the movie for like i don't know maybe like 10 minutes but i've like like and i know who the actor's name is and i've seen a bunch of his movies because i thought he was so cute that i was like his name is george blagden and um 
And like, <laughs> it's just like, but I get it. Like, I get it where you're like focusing it. Like, I'm not like, oh, Hugh Jackman's such a babe. Like, I was just like, this one kid that's in the movie for 10 minutes is great. Um, I was also, he had like a relationship with this other character that I was like, I was like, they're in love. Like, they're the boy, they were both men. And I was like, they're in love with each other. Like, so, and I had a friend that was like into it too. So we would like, like talk back and forth like online about it but like I get it I get that yeah yeah I want to talk about speaking about characters that are only in a movie for like a couple minutes I really want to talk about Fabrizio oh yeah yeah poor Fabrizio (laughs) like first of all I like Fabrizio as a character however Uh he had the worst Italian accent I have <laughs> ever heard. It was like he was like, "My friend, we're going on the boat." It was, it was like, basically he was like Super Mario. Oh my god, it was terrible. It was yeah. terrible. I, was I like, see the Statue so of Liberty. <laughs> like, just make him like a American or a British guy. Like, don't we, like. And he kept doing this thing that was like really irritating me. And I know he's not in the movie for very long, but he would like say a sentence, but he would make one of the words like an italian word so yeah he's like, he's like jack you're a pot so you're <laughs> which means crazy there's niente then, over there yeah, yeah yeah and it was just like he would do this and it was it was like it was written by someone who's not bilingual but wanted to make a character <laughs> bilingual and it's like you should maybe talk to an actually bilingual person as to how to say it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, before yeah. Like, Fabrizio speaks such fluent English that he knows when he can turn, like, he can switch some words in a sentence back to right. Italian and still make a grammatically correct sentence. Yeah. Right. And it, like, it was just, like, it was so over the top and so bad that every time he was on the screen, I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> So, but I, I did feel bad for him because I did like him as a character and he seemed like he was very sweet and it like, and then he got hit by that smokestack at the yeah. end and I was like, he, there's no way that he survived that. Oh, no, yeah. no. Like, it, yeah. Like, I mean, even if he was like just stunned, the likelihood of him going underwater and then inhaling water. Was, right. Like there, I, I would not think that he was. Yeah. That, so. No, I, I agree. Yeah. And, um. I watched a deleted scene last night on YouTube of him, you know, the blonde woman that they kind of like tease a little romance between him and the other woman in the, in steerage. There's a scene where he's like trying to get her to come up to the deck with him when the boat is sinking, but she doesn't want to leave, I guess her family. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, please come up with me. <laughs> and uh, she won't. And anyway, and so I'm glad that they cut that out of the movie because we don't need like two romances. I liked the amount of time that we saw them together. It was fine with me, you know? Right. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm, I'm going to look up there actually. Let's see. Okay. So his name is Danny Nucci. So his last name does actually sound Italian. Um, but he, he's Austrian. Really? Yeah. Wow. Well, they should have made him in- German. Yeah, like or Austrian. Oh yeah, duh. I was well. No, sorry, I was thinking of the accent. Um, that's why I said German. But yeah, they should have made him Austrian. Yeah, yeah. Like why they made him like Italian, and he just had. Oh my God, he was in Crimson Tide. Yeah, yeah. He was the radio was. guy. Oh, I didn't or the guy with like the um, the guy with the. It wasn't radio. It was the sonar radar guy. 
was like, oh, the, okay, yeah, no, I cannot remember. How'd you okay. even get on the ship? You know that guy. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I, okay, now I remember. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, it looks like he was in just a lot of like little bit parts. After I didn't know that the captain was King Theoden from Lord of the Rings. So that was kind of a fun discovery. Oh my last god, night. that is him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That. that's why he looks so fucking. Funny. Yeah, and he's why is his character always taking advice from like snivelly guys? I guess <laughs> because like. Grima or Ismay on the ship, you know, like apparently know. that's like his MO, I guess, of all the characters he plays is like he doesn't he's think for himself, I guess. Creepy, like they're like, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna rule. <laughs> um, oh man, that's crazy. Yeah, I didn't realize that that was him. And like David, David Warner, he plays Lovejoy. Um, every time I see him and en- like anytime I see this actor in anything and I texted you this, I'm like, I think that guy's in the omen. And every time it's like, <laughs> I can't remember every time. And every time I look it up yeah. and I go, yep, he was in the omen. <laughs> and it's like, girl, you've seen the omen plenty of times. You should know this by now. <laughs> Maybe you should um, just have a, like a sticky note stuck somewhere. That's like, <laughs> yep he's in the omen just yep, you can yep, just say yep. that he i thought he had a really good look for the role in the movie as like the valet or the guy who does like the he does cal's dirty work following rose around the ship and stuff i thought he had a good look for that oh i actually had a question about him do you think he survived no it didn't look like he did i feel like he was right where the ship was like breaking in half and he like kind of fell Oh, I guess I didn't see that. You you see him in peril briefly. You don't see him die, I don't think, but you definitely, I think he does die. Because I was kind of surprised. I was like, I was like, how's Cal going to survive without his little like puppet, you know? Right. I mean, that guy was like, that guy was like, whatever you need, I'll do whatever you need. And I was just like, he was tenacious. Yeah. Make some choices on your own love, Joy. More like love kill. Am I right? (laughs) hilarious i wanted to talk about i wanted to talk about something at the beginning because we haven't really talked about the beginning so okay i want to praise the movie in a way that i think is really creative and how the catalyst for the movie is this giant diamond the heart of the ocean (laughs) she says it's so funny so bill paxton in modern times is leading an expedition to find Cal's safe because he thinks the heart of the ocean, which is what, like a 16 karat diamond or 18 karat diamond or something? I think it's, they said it was like a 56 50, karat Okay, it was, it was like a huge diamond. Yeah, like because I the Hulk diamond a, almost. Yeah. Cal was like, it's a 56 karat diamond. And I was like, what? <laughs> like I like I was on the couch like literally like I think I like screamed out like I didn't scream but I was like excuse me <laughs> so like, I liked that the movie is just based on this simple thing that Bill Paxton's character wants to find this diamond because he wants to, he's a treasure hunter he wants to be rich you know and I like that and but something that I did not like is that they had a photograph of the diamond that looks like a very modern photograph and I thought you couldn't have done a better job of having it look more because it, it it just looked like it, it was a modern photograph taken on black and white film and right. it was big and it was glossy and but it, they like must have crinkled it up a little so it looked weathered and i thought no just i wish that they would have shown it uh, around the neck of like a victorian woman or something a photo that the photo was too modern and it it bothered me and i wondered if 
you noticed that at all? Uh, I didn't, but now that you pointed it out, I can totally, yeah, that, that kind of irritates me too, because it's like, first of all, I, I'm not, I don't know if they even had like colored photography, um, back in the well, 1912s. It, like it wouldn't have been colored. It was, it was black and white. The, the photo oh, was, it black, was and black and white. And white. Okay. It just okay. was, it was a modern black and white photo. It was not oh, a vintage black and white photo. Um, well, then I think I have to say that I guess I didn't really notice that. <laughs> anyway, all right. But no, but I could I could see why that would bother you because it's it's like, okay, like, all right, this is a multi-million dollar movie. You can't just, yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I get it. It's the little things. It's the devils and the details, as they say, you know? Yeah. And so my question, so I like that Rose, as a 101-year-old woman, sees on TV that they find the drawing that Jack mm-hmm. made because they find Cal safe. And they find the drawing. And I, I think that that's a really cool way to pull her into the story. And when I was growing up, I wasn't convinced that she did a good job in the movie, the old woman. Mm-hmm. And now I kind of think she did. Because I think now Rose as Kate Winslet Rose, young Rose, is very sassy. And Rose as an old woman still has that sass. And I think that that fits. And I appreciate her performance more now than I did when I was young. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think she's great. I, there is actually wrote this down because it was like, I was like amazed that this is how this guy reacted towards her. Um, So his name is Mr. Bodine. And this was in the, this was in the beginning. You probably know. And he's talking about, I said, He's the guy with the Watchmen shirt. So first of all, he had the Watchmen shirt on there. And I like had to Google that because I was thinking, I thought it was, but I wasn't like totally sure if that was Watchmen. Um, And he, I said, he has absolutely no self-awareness when he is telling her about how the Titanic hit the iceberg and then fell apart into two because he was like, isn't that cool? And she's like, dude, I lived through this. Yeah. No, it's not cool. <laughs> I know people who died. I yeah, was like, like, he's like, it kind of bobs around like a cork in the water for a few minutes before finally going under. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I was just astounded that he's like, isn't that cool? And I was like, um, I, I'm like, I'm realizing that people can't hear me, but my face is like, or they can't see my face, but my face is like astonished. Like I was like, <laughs> like, like she lived through this horrible horrific thing that I'm sure left her traumatized because I cannot imagine how someone could walk away nearly die lose someone who you know pretty much they consider save their life and have to start a whole new life still dealing with the after effects of watching a bunch of people die around her and like just be a like a like just a okay like psychologically you know what I mean like she's I'm sure that she had to deal with years and years of dealing with the probably what I would imagine is some survivor's guilt or some oh for sure survivor's guilt especially since she wouldn't even let Jack get on the door with her yeah I actually (laughs) did some research about that because I was curious and there was a um a go a Mythbusters episode a Ghostbusters Ghostbusters, I was like Ghostbusters, yeah. <laughs> a Mythbusters episode where it said that they could have both fit, but oh, as, for sure. as Mythbusters noted, noted, the physics of the buoyancy pushed Jack to his fate. To keep afloat and out of the water, 
just enough to survive, Jack and Rose would have had to tie a life jacket underneath the door to make it more buoyant. Oh, so, interesting. It sounded like, and I, I could imagine if you're freezing and you're just trying to think of how to survive that you're not thinking logically like that, you know? So I wish... I have problems with that scene because the piece of wood is so big. Yeah. And I know that it's a means to an end. Like they have to find a way for her not to be in the water, but like in real life, like five people were pulled from the water. So people did survive it. So I wish that they had had a smaller piece of debris because they only tried once to get him on and they never tried again. And it was, it's pathetic. Like I, I understand that the love story works because he doesn't survive and she does. And that makes sense to me because it's, it's a sad story, but I wish that it was more believable because survival instinct would kick in. Like, I don't think, I don't think if I was her, I wouldn't give up. If, if the person I loved, the man I loved was in the water and I was, I would not give up. I'd be like, we're going to make this work. And if I was him and I was pretty much, certain that i was gonna die because i'm in this freezing cold water i wouldn't stop trying to get on you know no, i know i don't i don't get that either and it would be one thing if they had maybe had them like treading water for like 20 minutes or something and he was just too exhausted and he couldn't make it but that didn't seem the case it was Mm -hmm. like they had just gotten in they found each other and now they, they they found this you know piece of driftwood or this door and tried once and then he was kind of like he was such like a champ about it too he's like well i guess i'm gonna die and i was yeah. like yeah i was like you're so cavalier about that like try again you bastard <laughs> you know? right so i i wish that the piece of wood had been much smaller because it even showed there was like an overhead shot and she had plenty of space around her and i okay. understand like buoyancy and everything but for movie purposes make it smaller you know yeah i agree i totally agree like they could have used a chair that mm-hmm. was floating in the water you know yeah or just um, like the the door could have been like sliced even thinner you know yeah and um so that that always bothers me because i i just think like it's it's just on the cusp of being like too unbelievable right well and it's a it's like a little it's like a little lazy yeah or like a storyteller you know what Mm -hmm. i mean yeah like you need to find out a better way that makes more sense for him to die and her to survive other than them being on this huge ass you know uh door and yeah so anyway and i i want to see that mythbusters mythbusters episode but i have not seen it um yeah me neither but i did look it up so it, it was um yeah i so anyway so i kind of want to talk about from the beginning if you don't mind um so did you notice that they were giving health inspections to the third class passengers but not the first class passengers yeah i think they were looking for lice yeah yeah i was i was a little i was a little irritated by that because i was kind of like hey you can still have life speed with first class you know what i mean like yeah yeah maybe it's less likely but mm-hmm. i mean it's like bed bugs. It doesn't fucking matter where you live or what kind of like what kind of environment you're in. If you have blood, you can have bed bugs. I mean, obviously they have to travel and get in there somehow, but you get it. Like, mm-hmm. 
you don't like, yeah, it's not like you are above like a certain class level or you make a certain amount of money and suddenly the bed bugs are like, oh, well, they're too rich. We can't drink their blood. Um, you know, like it's, it's, it's a similar idea. It's the same concept, you know, same, they're both parasites. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's just like the movie has peppered into it, like interesting comments about class society. Yeah. Big time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that scene when they're like getting ready to load, get on the boat when the ship, when Rose and Cal and her mom are getting out of the car and there's so much excitement around them and they're like walking through the crowd, walking up the gangplank. And I, th- I really, really like that scene. It's so exciting. Like it's, Me too. It's very it's, exciting. Yeah. 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 And they have like that music playing where it's like, the, da, da. actually, I have a <laughs> comment about the music and this is something that's always bothered me is that they poached that music from did you ever see the movie far and away with tom cruise and nicole kidman no i haven't seen that one i've heard that it's very good i should see it yeah i own it if you want to borrow it um and that music is from far and away and so the for the very first time i saw titanic i justin and i were my brother justin and i saw it together and justin was like they stole the music from far and away and i said yeah i noticed that as well well, it's probably because the um, the guy, the composer that wrote My Heart Will Go On only knows My Heart Will Go On, and that's why all of the music except for that one, which was stolen, is all slightly different versions of My Heart Will Go On. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's another thing. The yeah. music is not that... I mean, I like the music. I like the melody of that song, but I have always thought, and I've never actually looked it up, like... Why did they use music from far and away? Um, oh, it's an it's an Enya song. So oh, um, and it was uh, let's see. There is a it looks like there's a YouTube video of Titanic versus the Enya song. Um, and anyway, Book of Days. That's the, just, that's the music. I just read something in my notes that I didn't I didn't say. But I, because I forgot that I wrote it down. But Fabrizio's accent is as bad as Paolo's accent in the Lizzie McGuire movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, man. So anyway, um, "Book of Days" is a song that they sort of—I don't know what you'd call it—sampled or what. But um, huh, I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah, no, but I like it. I just think it's, I've always thought it was weird that they used that music. But yeah, you're yeah, right. The I rest even... of it is just like different versions of My Heart Will Go On. <laughs> it's like, it's like slower. There's more like a, like a, just kind of a woman, like just warbling or whatever. And yeah. Yeah. Um, I owned the soundtrack when I was younger. Oh, me too. And, for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, of course. And I, I liked it. It was a very, it was a, it was a nice soundtrack, but it's, there's it's certainly not did you say it's (laughs) certainly not unique is that what you said it is not unique oh for sure it is not it is the guy like whoever did it i don't know who the composer is i think it's james horner okay so james horner was like perfect this is so perfect and james cameron came in and he's like dude this is it, bro. No, I just want you. What I want you to do is I want you to take this melody and I just want you to change it slightly for each scene. Okay. 
because for some reason in this james cameron has a southern He's accent a um, southern a southern a southern boy yeah it's 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 a good score because it carries the movie but it's just it's not like there's not a diverse selection of music no 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 yeah. it's no <laughs> it's it is it certainly is a movie score <laughs> um so i wrote down when Jack and Fabrizio won the Titanic tickets from those Swedish poker players, because you see when they get into the room, um, one of the guys that's in the room is like, where's Sven? Yeah. <laughs> so their friends are waiting for them, the mm -hmm. Swedish guys. But I couldn't help but think like when, you know, later when they find out that the Titanic sunk, how relieved they must have been to not be on the Titanic. Yeah, like, the the one like, guy who got punched, he probably went and demanded an apology. Yeah. <laughs> he saved both their like, lives <laughs> by losing like, the tickets. You know, <laughs> like, you know what? It sucked when it happened, but I'm really glad it did. Cause yeah. He, like, because I was reading, like, the statistics on um, on who survived and everything. Let me see if I can pull it up. Hold on. Yeah, there the museum had a Titanic exhibit a couple of years ago. Did you go to that? No, I wish I had though. It was awesome. It was intense, but uh yeah, it was not good for non first class passengers. <laughs> yeah, it says that okay, so um 97.22% of the 144 female first-class passengers were rescued. Only 32.57% of their 175 male counterparts were saved. Um, male second-class passengers fared the worst in terms of survival, with only 14 out of 168 making it out alive. And the survival rate for women was 74%, while the male survival rate was 20%. And then I, I don't have the third class, but... Um, I think most of I was the third class at, passengers died. Most of yeah, them. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. I think it, I was looking up famous people who had died on the Titanic. Because um, I was looking up Guggenheim. Because I had, I don't, I never really like kind of put two and two together that I was like, oh yeah, Guggenheim was a real person. You know what I mean? Because there are a bunch of people who are, you know, like portrayed and they were real people. Um, John Jacob Astor was one of them. Um, and like, I mean, it just, they, it's, it's just very tragic. Um, so I, I have to say, so I, okay, no, no, I'm, I'm gonna, um, I want to, <laughs> I, I looked this up because I was curious. The engine room, I was like, that, I don't think that's animated. Like, I had a feeling that it was real. And the engine room is actually the triple expansion engine of the SS Jeremiah O'Brien on Pier 45 in Fisherman's Wharf in San Francisco. Wow. So it's actually like a real engine room. And I thought that was really cool. I was like, awesome. I've been to Fisherman's Wharf. I don't think, I, I don't know if I've been to Pier 45 because there's a bunch of them. But, um, but I thought that that was really cool that I was like, I, I love that. Like, I, I think James Cameron is a brilliant filmmaker. Don't get me wrong. I, he, I watched a 
documentary of his where he built a submersible to go down and see the Titanic in fucking person. And I was like, this guy is so cool. Like that is to me, first of all, that's like hashtag like goals. Like I would love to go to deep sea and see the Titanic in person, which is funny because I would never, I wouldn't cut like I would never ever be caught dead on a cruise in like ever like you can't pay me enough money to take a fucking cruise and do you know why because it's a boat in the middle of the fucking ocean and there's no way that I'm gonna do that shit um but I there's it's different being underwater versus being on top of the water because I'm also a certified scuba diver so I've taken classes and everything uh, it was like when I was 16, so it's been like almost 20 years. So I don't really remember anything, but, um, you know, I mean, I still have the love for the ocean. It's just not so much being on top of the ocean that I like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I'm sure you caught this cause you're very smart, but did you notice the penis joke that Rose made at Mr. Ismay? Yeah, I liked that. <laughs> I liked it because then Ismay, still oblivious, was like, who's Freud? Is he a passenger on the ship? (laughs) (laughs) I know. know, He was like, he was, he was just like, okay, thanks for the compliment. And I was like, that wasn't a compliment. (laughs) That was by far the least complimentary thing ever. Um, She pretty much said that you have a tiny dick. (laughs) Yeah. She said, have you ever read Freud? His his comments on the male preoccupation with size might be some interest to you talking about like how big the ship is fucking love that it's pretty good i i really like jonathan hyde i'm actually a pretty big fan of jonathan hyde so he there's a story that i read online and i don't know how true it is but i'd like to think it's true just because i like it but this guy had said that one time he ran into jonathan hyde in uh elevator and Jonathan Hyde was in Jumanji. He was in the original one, and he was the bad guy in that. And he, the, the fan said to him, he was like, oh, man, when I was a kid, you terrified me in Jumanji. And, he, and Jonathan Hyde looked at him, and he went, good. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> But he was, uh, he was in the show The Strain, and he played one of my favorite characters. Um, his first name was Eldritch. Uh, it was Eldritch Palmer, and I refuse to call him Eldritch because that's not a name. That's an adjective. <laughs> Eldritch? Yeah. What does it mean? It's like um, people usually use it in terms of like H.P. Lovecraft's work, like Eldritch Horror. So it's basically like a morbid, macabre type thing. Hmm. Yeah. It's not a name. It's, a, it's an adjective. I think um, anything can be a name. I mean, yeah, but... No. Anyway, so I called him Palmer the entire time, but I loved his character. Um, but he was not a good guy in that show either. He was a he was a very bad guy, and I was just like, I love him. <laughs> so anyway, he did a good job in this movie. I liked him as like the sniveling coward, yeah. basically. Yeah, and I actually so I did some research on him because I was curious about what happened to him as the the real person, and it said that he survived um obviously but he was vilified by the press especially the um like R- Randolph Hearst because they had a falling out 
so basically like the press just completely tore this guy to pieces because they said that he was um like a like weak because he got into the boat 20 minutes before the ship sank before like like not helping any passengers but um he was later cleared of of blame by british inquiry but it caused him to fall into like a deep depression for the rest of his life and i i empathize with him and i can also see why he was vilified um i think that in a situation like this where you're thinking about your own survival it's really hard to like it's 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 you, you i guess you just can't put yourself in that situation or or think of how someone would be thinking until you've been in that situation yourself you know what i mean yeah i i cannot i honestly i don't think i can even form an opinion on the real guy because the only version i know of him is the movie version but if you're on a sinking ship then you're daft if you're just like no i have to stay on the ship because i don't want people to vilify me like that's not what goes through your head in a, in a tragedy you know like yeah. like i said survival instinct kicks in and mistakes were made long before he encouraged the captain to i don't even like in real life i don't know if he encouraged the captain to go faster i don't know if that was his call but mistakes were made when the ship was being made designed like they didn't yeah. put enough light boats on the ship they didn't make the watertight doors high enough you know things like that and so i yeah i i mean i don't think it's fair to like throw mud at somebody who was just staying alive doing whatever anybody else would have done yeah and that's yeah. something i really like about this movie is it's a masterpiece like the set design because i think there are computer uh animated sequences in the movie that bother me like when you see computer people walking across the computer titanic that takes me out of the movie for a second and i and i got annoyed but that's so small compared to just like the set design wait wait the wait, real wait, wait i'm gonna have to i'm gonna need you to clarify that what it, what do you mean is it a particular scene well, there's a couple like wide shots throughout the movie where you see people walking on the decks and they're like computer people. Oh, oh they're computer generated. Yeah. And so, but that's a, a small part of the movie and just like the grand scale of the set design. And it's actually a pretty scary movie when the ship is sinking. Oh, the yeah. sound effects of the ship sinking, the water rising, when they're running down the halls and water is like shooting out at them. And then the scenes of like the plates falling off the shelves the scenes of the doors getting blown off by water it's masterfully done and i agree with you like james cameron is a tremendous filmmaker and this movie is immersive and as i said it's scary because i like last night i was sort of imagining like what that would be like and it would be oh, yeah horrifying oh yeah and not only because it's like you're not on a caribbean cruise where it's like well if we can survive the sinking we can probably be okay as long as sharks don't come like you're in the north atlantic so yep. if the boat sinking doesn't kill you the water is gonna kill you and they don't have enough lifeboats and it's sinking very fast like i really like the scene when when mr andrews who mr andrews is another one of my favorite characters like Me i, too. Really I actually wrote that down i always said that i always thought that he seemed like he was so kind yes you know, yes he had a very like like he 
had a very kind look in his eyes. And when Rose approached him and she's like, I can tell that there's something wrong and I can see it in your eyes. And he was like, I can't. Yeah. He's like, yes, there's something wrong. And I, yeah, I loved, I loved him too. I like Victor Garber like a lot. Though. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. He had a very <laughs> gentle accent as well. And he was just very, like you said, kind. And yeah. so when they're in the room and the, and he's got the schematics out and he's saying to the captain, like, it can't survive. There's too much water already. We're going to sink. And the captain said, how much time do we have? And he said an hour, two at most. Like, that's insane. Like, if you actually think about it, it's sinking very, very, very fast. And well, and you're literally seeing it sink in, in time. Yeah. 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 And Mr. Ismay is like, it's an unsinkable ship. And Mr. Andrews is like, it's made of iron. I assure you, it will <laughs> yeah, sink. Seriously. And then he says to Rose when they're at the staircase in the scene that you mentioned where she's like, I know something's wrong. He says in a little more than an hour, all of this will be at the bottom of the Atlantic. And it's like the reality of that situation is so terrifying and the movie is so well done like like i know i keep using uh, like ridiculous adjectives but it's just as a movie about a ship sinking it's tremendously incredible and it's it deserves all the accolades it got because oh, yeah, it for sure it is so well done it, the last half of the movie is really amazing and hard to watch but also you can't turn away from it yeah and it's just i i might like my hats off i think it it's just it's so well done yeah i mean you can tell that this guy that james cameron is just so he's so dedicated to his craft you know mm -hmm. again built a submersible to go see like and this was the type of thing like, and I, I cannot remember the name of the documentary, so I'm really sorry, but anyone wants to watch, like, you can just, I'm sure you could Google James Cameron, build a submersible to see the Titanic and it'll pop up. But I would highly recommend that for anyone that liked this movie because um, the, the documentary is actually a little frightening because the people are helping him build it. They're professionals, so they know what they're doing. But they're like, if one thing goes wrong, you are at a mile you have a mile of water underneath or like above you. If one thing goes wrong, you will definitely die. Like you will not be able to leave. You will not be able to get out in time. This, and, and it's like a, a one man submersible. So it's tiny. And they're like, and if this doesn't work, the pressure will crush you. They're like, there was a bunch of different things where it was like, you have to understand, you know, Mr. Cameron, that if you're going to do this, that you are taking your life in your hands, mm -hmm. that there is a That's possibility. Incredible that this could not work like because they were testing it and everything but they're testing it in 12 feet of water that's that's not anywhere near the same as a mile underneath the oh ocean, right know? yeah so um it was it was a very interesting thing that he's like no i absolutely want to do this i i don't care this is i this is like my life goal like i this like my entire life has led to this moment this is what i want to do and so just his dedication to um, being able to do this. And I think that he did it after the movie came out, but I'm not totally sure. But it is, it's just a fascinating, it's a fascinating documentary. And you can see that when he finally does see the Titanic, that this is like, like he's fulfilling his dream. And it's like, and I'm getting goosebumps like talking about this just because it's so, it's just so good. I, I, I just, I would highly recommend it. So, you know what? I should just look it up to see. 
Ghosts of the Abyss. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah. Um, I think oh, I've wait. seen it. I think that was an IMAX movie, and I saw it on IMAX. Yeah, there was like some, so there's some challenge called the Deep Sea Challenge Expedition. Um, but I, I think it was called Ghosts of the Abyss. Okay, yeah, I've seen that documentary. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Okay, so actually I had a question for you. When you were younger and Rose was trying to initially jump off the boat because she wanted to kill herself, did you think that um, those sailors thought that Jack was trying to, like, rape Rose when you were younger? Um, when I was younger, I didn't know exactly. I mean, I think I knew that there was something, like, inappropriate. They thought something inappropriate was going on, but to, to say rape, I don't know if I really fully quantified, like, what that would entail i just knew that they thought something inappropriate was going on why did you think that i think probably not probably not when i was that young i don't think i even knew what that was um but i think probably when i was like in my teens or early 20s i was like oh fuck that is (laughs) (laughs) you know like i was like so um yeah i I did kind of like, I am always kind of annoyed that it took her so long to speak up because like she was like in a blanket. She's like, (laughs) she's just like, whatever. (laughs) Oh no, he didn't assault me. What am I talking about? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, she's like in a blanket and there's a big crowd on the deck now and Cal is like, and the, the, like the sailors have Jack and Cal is like yelling at Jack and it took her a little while before she was like, Cal, he saved me. He didn't actually, he wasn't doing anything. And I thought like, that should have been, you should have been telling people that like right away when the sailors ran up to right. him and said, you know, like, so I thought it was weird that it took that long for her to, to say like, guys, it wasn't a big deal. You know, I wonder if she was like formulating a story though, because she probably didn't want to tell him like, oh, I was trying to kill myself to escape you cow because you're horrible um maybe that's why i mean i i agree with you that she should have like does she probably could have like thought more on her feet you know yeah she been like, no, no, no wait everything's fine what are you talking about like it's fine mm-hmm. it's fine we're, we're good you know but yeah no it's a little whatever <laughs> yeah i i um I think it's a good meet cute though. And I like that they lay out exposition in a really creative way because they want to get across like how cold the water is so that later yeah. in the movie, you know, like we know how cold the water is because of this scene. And I think that it's pretty creative the way he does it, how Jack's just like, water this cold? I mean, it's like a thousand knives, you know? Yeah, <laughs> and, and he had like the little story of how he fell into the lake and what was it, Wisconsin or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So I, I think that that's a really creative way to to get it into our heads. Like, this isn't just a ship sinking. This is like a ship sinking into certain death. Yeah. You know? Yeah, big time, big time. Um, So I want to talk to you about the scene in the third class um like the third class party oh yeah i texted you and i said 
I would want first class accommodations, but third class entertainment because they look like they were having so much fun. And I was like, man, that would be a good time. And, and it actually reminded me of, um, did you, did you ever see the Wolf of Wall Street? No. Okay. So which is also funnily with funnily enough whatever with Leonardo DiCaprio but there's a scene where they're on a boat and it's like a really bad storm and they get rescued by another boat and um Margot Robbie who's his wife is dancing with like a bunch of crew members and it's a very it's a very short scene but there's something about that like she's just filled with like joy at being able to like not die in the storm and like as, as just having a fun time and I ever since I've seen that movie I always think of those like two scenes together because I'm like it's just it just it's a good time you know there's just people yeah just a good time you know yeah I like it I like when she stands on her tippy toes and she's like you guys think you're big tough men and I like it because she does something that's like within the realm of believability almost like it's not like she's like suddenly this big tough woman who hasn't been growing up in like you know the with the finer things like she stayed within her character but she did something impressive and I thought that that was a cute moment that's for funny. her to interact with them you know that's funny that you say that because I've always gotten secondhand embarrassment from that part like I've oh, really? always been like I've always been like oh my god I can't believe she's doing that yep every single time I've always like when she stands on her tippy toes, like she's like, you think you men are so big and strong and then she doesn't. Every time I'm always like, oh my God, please don't do it this time. <laughs> <laughs> See, I always get secondhand embarrassment when Jack tells the little girl, you're still my best girl, Cora. Like, I, I hate that. <laughs> so that's funny. I, mean, I, thought, I always thought that part was cute because she's just a little girl and she's like, oh, like she stole my dancing partner. But Yeah. I think like, it's like a weird thing. Like it's a weird thing to throw in like, hey guys, not only is Jack an artist, very sensual and thoughtful, but he loves children. Like that's kind of how I feel like. Like I could oh, yeah, care less yeah, if I he do. loved children or not. And I don't care. I don't, you know, whatever. Right, like that's not, it's not vital to the story for us to know. What yeah. I, I do think one of the scenes that struck me as super, super sad watching it though, this most recent time was you get to follow the little girl and her dad slightly like you see them entering there you see them about to get on the boat the ship as she corrects her dad it's a ship and then you see them in the dancing scene but then i think what's really sad is when the ship is starting to sink and the like the porters are coming around and throwing open the doors her dad sort of sits up and is like what what's going on and then you never see them again until yeah. until rose dies obviously when she's an old woman and you see like heaven is titanic i guess but and i think that that was just so sad it's just so sad the implications of i don't yeah. know that scene really really got me last night for some reason in a way that it hadn't before um because i knew that they die they were gonna die and right it was it was very emotional and intense and along the same lines i wanted to ask you a question because there's some artistic liberty taken in the movie that bothered me last night in a way that hasn't bothered me before and that was people okay. people patiently waiting to drown in the fact that there's it's not like the water is like an inch deep and then 20 foot deep like the water is slowly rising but they made like the woman putting her children to bed 
I was thinking like, that's so weird because in a few minutes they're going to wake up when their room is flooded with water, you know, and it's supposed to be this right, like, right. almost like this peaceful ending for them, but it's not a peaceful ending. I mean, you don't, you don't get to see it, but I don't think I care for that. Right. I don't think I care for that artistic take on passengers who are going to die um, because it's not, it's drowning. It's not like, um, like they're going to blow up and they're going to die instantly because right. they're not going to die instantly. No. Yeah. And they would definitely wake up from the coldness of the water. Yeah. Um, what? Well, so, okay. I'm going to ask, I'm going to answer your question with another question. What did you think about the couple embracing the older couple embracing? I mean, I thought it was kind of sweet because that was something I was going to bring up to you is that I don't, I know the women and children only is like a real thing, but I don't think I could do it. Like if, if my husband or partner had to stay on a sinking ship and I had to go on a lifeboat for the simple fact that I was a woman, I don't, I don't, that's like, that's insane to me. And yeah. so I thought it was sweet that they stayed together. I mean, it sucks because they died, right. but it made more sense to me than like leaving your husband. Like that seemed awful i couldn't i like how can you bear that you know i know that we've talked about survival instincts kicking in but from my couch in 2021 i'm not on a sinking ship i can't fathom that situation where i have to leave someone i love on a, a ship that's sinking yeah i i can't either um as far as the mom with the kids i think that they seem like they seemingly probably could have survived but maybe the implication was that they couldn't because they were third class or something yeah i don't know? know how accurate them not letting third class passengers go up on the decks is i i yeah. didn't do research into that like if they actually blocked off the the doors or not but right no i didn't either um I don't know. I guess I don't think it bothered me as much as it, it bothered you. I kind of like that there was like this kind of like melancholic uh, aspect to the fact that like these people are going to die, but this woman is just like, it's like, it's easier for me to pretend to put my children to sleep and to at least have them have a, a couple of moments of peace before they die, you know, then um, I mean, I get, again, it goes back to, it's like, you can't, I guess, blame a person for this because you've never been in this situation yourself, you know? And there's a possibility that because they were not upper class, that maybe they just couldn't get there or, it was too dangerous to try and escape with the children because the ship was flooding. Um, I don't know. I mean, it could have been any number of factors, you know, maybe the father had passed away and she's just like, well, I'm just going to take this for like an ex machina and like just die with the ship or something. You know what I mean? Like to be with my husband. It's so, not, which is extreme, but that's I don't know. Not, that's not necessarily like, I understand what you're saying, and that's not not why the scene bothered me. Why the scene bothered me was that they were going to wake up to a very violent and scary death, 
Okay. In a yeah. matter of moments. And I thought it was because I understand the artistry of having her like give them a moment of peace of like putting them to bed, but it's not a nuclear bomb that's going to go off and pulverize them instantly. They're going to suffocate. Right. In rising freezing cold water. And I, and I did not think that that scene matched the tone of the death that they were about to experience. And it bothered me for that reason. But I, I understand did. like in no, real I did think of that last night. That's real dark. <laughs> it's real dark. Yeah, that is uh I did think of that last night too, but I don't think to the extent that you did where it's like this just um you're right. They they are about to wake up to a terrible death and unless unless she drowns them first. You know, I mean, they yeah, could, the yeah. water could reach a certain height, and she could just hold down her children and let them and and drown them. You know, um, it'd be a lot easier than watching them try and s struggle and survive when knowing that they're not going to. You know, I mean, what do you do in that situation? That's what that's what I mean. Like, and I know like, what you mean about like not having been in that situation, so you don't know what you would do, but for the 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 cinematic decision to include that scene it bothers me now right um, no i get it i get it mm -hmm. i don't think it bothered me as much as it bothered you but yeah that it's it's definitely like i guess you kind of don't even think about how dark it is until you're like well shit that's yeah because if you wow. think about like i went on like a little bit of a journey last night in my head with this and it kind of like kept me up for a little while because i was even the couple laying on the bed, I mean, like, that was sort of sweetly sad romantic. But the water's going to get to a point where they can't lay together anymore, and they're, they're going to drown. And that's so horrifying, you know? Yeah. So it's just, I, it's, I can't even imagine. Like, I can't even imagine. And I, I really like how the movie delves the timeline of the sinking is really well done because it it just descends into chaos which is how yeah. i imagine the real situation would be you know oh, yeah big time big time and yeah. it's it's just really well done and really heavy and really intense yeah there's one part that always sticks with me is the um the priest saying the last rites to those mm -hmm. people that part always like Every time I see that movie, that, that yeah. part always gets me. And the part with um, the violinist or the, the band, you know, and there's one guy that's playing that song and then they're like, like the other, like I, I'm having goosebumps again because that scene is just so sad. Like, and it's this, first of all, I love the violin. That's like one of my favorite instrument, instruments. Um, and then they all just kind of are like, well, let's just go down with the ship and let's play until, you know, yeah, it's uh, very intense. And uh, the whole movie, like that whole second half just gives me so much anxiety. And it's, uh, it's very scary. But I... <laughs> I have a question for you. Have you ever like looked at how clear the water is and you're kind of like, I want to go swimming in that. <laughs> did you ever think about that? I did think about how like I, I have 
many, many, many times gone swimming in pretty cold water in Lake Michigan and how it can be kind of like refreshing. And that's kind of the water I picture. And I know that it's nothing like that. Like the water right, is right. way colder than that and oh, yeah, yeah. not conducive to life. But I do think like it's probably just like really clear cold water. That might be a nice little swim, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, and like if you're on the set or whatever and you just go for like a little dive, like it's it's probably like pretty warmish water because they're not going to freeze their actors. I would you think. Know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> but every time I see that movie, I'm like, look, at, it's like when like you see like thing like like um places flooding like city flooding i'm like what if you just went for a swim out there <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah there's no debris or anything no definitely yeah. not you'd probably be okay <laughs> um <laughs> there's a shark no um i do have one thing that i a negative thing that i noticed about the movie yeah so i remember when it came out um i think I know that the woman who played Old Rose got an Oscar nomination, and I think Kate Winslet got an Oscar nomination. And I know that there was some uproar about how Leo didn't get nominated, and I I don't think that he necessarily should have been nominated. I thought, for the most part, his performance was good, but it started like you could make a, a little, like, if you were inclined to drink... Uh, you could make a little drinking game about how many times he says Rose. He says her name so many times, and it's very strange. And it reminded me of that scene in Night and Day with Tom Cruise where he keeps saying Cameron Diaz's name. He's like, hey, June, hey, June. And she says, just stop saying my name. You keep saying my name, and it's really freaking me out. And that's what I kept thinking of when I was watching it because he's like, Rose, Rose, over here, Rose, Rose, Rose. Hey, Rose, Rose. And he just says Rose over and over and over again and so i think last night i and i love leo like i think and i'm not just saying that because when i was 12 i thought he was cute or anything i think he's a really good actor and so i i i do think he has been deserving of awards but i don't think it was necessarily a snub that he didn't get nominated for this movie because his was not the strongest performance i think kate winslet's performance was was really incredible oh yeah yeah um I, yeah yeah I, I actually so speaking of there's an ongoing joke in my family about how much they say each other's names because every time you bring it up to my parents they go jack rose jack rose jack rose <laughs> <laughs> like every single time like clockwork <laughs> she says jack a lot too but i think the ratio of jacks to roses is not quite equal i think he I says, know, rose he says more it than... a lot i mean yeah. I, I get it but <laughs> no i think it's funny that you mentioned that because that is like like seriously since the movie came out an ongoing joke in my family i'm about glad that i'm glad that other people have noticed it yeah. so i'm not totally off base that makes me feel good <laughs> Okay, so there's one thing that I have to talk about because this always bothered me even when I was a kid. And that's the part where they're having sex or they're like finishing up or whatever. And you see her have like she has sort of black like some sort of black fabric. I was going to Yeah, and I so I wrote this down because I was like, okay, so um why why the sudden modesty? He yeah. just drew her naked she had to be naked for a while for him to draw i would i guess i would guess at least half an hour if not longer so she's been just lying naked in front of him 
And then they have sex, but she has like something covering her breasts. Like it, it that I my assumption is I thought the same thing because I was like, even on screen, we saw her breasts yeah, for so a while. I think my, I didn't look this up, but my assumption is for rating purposes, they probably couldn't show her breast in a sexual situation, but they could show it in an artistic situation. Okay. There's probably some weird stipulation and I, that's my only guess because I thought it seemed ridiculous. Like, sh- and she was the only one covered up. Like, they could have just had them both be covered up by a blanket. But she, it was like she had like a towel around her. Like, she just got out of the shower and they decided to have sex or something. Yeah, like, I- it doesn't make any sense. Like, either don't show her breasts again, or have them both be covered up. Like, keep the right. camera higher and don't show them. Or because, yeah, I agree, it doesn't make any sense. Because as the viewers and as him we were we saw her breasts for quite a while right so yeah. like yeah I, like okay that does make i sense, assume it's actually, a rating thing though yeah that that could be it because what i'm guessing this is like pg-13 i'm guessing i think so yeah i think so too um but yeah that always like even when i was a kid i was like why does she have that towel on her that's yeah so weird. That's like very and as weird an adult, i was like i was like what the fuck is this shit like i was like this is like you, you wouldn't take that towel off there's no reason for that to be there you know the only reason you would be in a blanket is if you were both in a blanket and it was around him too but it wasn't around him yeah like i don't I, yeah i don't i don't i don't get it i don't, I don't get it either i don't yeah very, very strange um so i did i did read about the guy murdoch who shot himself I was because oh was that real? Yeah, that was a real person. Oh wow! So um, apparently he did really shoot himself. His his name is William Murdoch, and um, the film had put him into a bad light by the the movie, and the the family was issued an apology by the filmmakers. But what do you think? Because I so I have to preface this by saying that when I saw this as a kid, I was like, "What a piece of shit!" Murdoch is a piece of shit. But I, as an adult, and having the experiences that I've experienced can now, I don't necessarily think that shooting people was the right way to go. However, I think it was such a panicked and scary situation that he just didn't know what to do. And his first instinct was to go, don't come any nearer or I'm going to shoot you. And then when people didn't listen, he said, okay, well, I, I said what I said. So now I have to shoot you, you know, like, and I, I mean, obviously like someone who, you're on a sinking ship like he likely knows that he's probably going to die you know he's probably not going to be on board with one of the boats um that he is just so panicked he's not thinking clearly there's all these people are screaming at him who are trying to survive and i i guess that i don't necessarily think it was a was meant to be a bad light I think that it wasn't maybe done the best way to show him because he was a real person. And I think it's insulting to someone's memory to display them as like a weaker character or whatever, you know, when, especially when then he was, I mean, like James Cameron said that he was trying to portray him as being heroic. So I was curious as to what you thought. I think I went through the same sort of mental journey as you did because he shot the 
Irish character that I previously said I had a Tommy. little thing for. <laughs> Tommy. But And so I thought like, oh my gosh, what an animal. Why is he shooting people? But I agree with you now that I watch it. And I don't even think, I don't think he even thought it through as much as you may think, like as much as you said he did. I think, because what happened was he threatened them. He said, get back, I'll shoot you. And then the crowd sort of surged and pushed Tommy forward. Yeah. And I think he panicked because he thought that they were going to rush the lifeboat. And right. so he shot without even thinking. Like, I don't think his thought process was like, I said I had to, now I'm going to. I think he was like, imminent danger, shoot. And then yeah. as soon as he shot, as soon as he shot him, you realize what he'd done. So yeah, I agree with you. Like now I don't think he's a bad character because he was facing death regardless. Yeah. And he accidentally shot a man. And I think that's what pushed him over the edge. Like, I can't live with myself even for the next, you know, 20 minutes. Well, he, shot, he killed two guys. It wasn't just Tommy. Oh, yeah. Guy too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, no, I think that you're spot on about that. I don't think he was probably thinking very clearly at all. It was just like, like, it was, he did it. And then all of a sudden he was like, oh, shit. I can't believe what I just did. And yeah. Yeah, and I thought maybe he thought the only best recourse was like, I'm just going to take myself out of the picture because I can't live with myself. Yeah, yeah, what you said, basically, yeah. Yeah, I so I agree, but I agree with you. Like, when I saw it as a kid, I I thought he was like an evil character. But it's I don't interesting think... interesting how things change like that, isn't it? Yeah, like as you get older. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, because, like, I never really had a problem with Ruth, but then when I watched this, the like when I watch this now I was just like I hate this woman and <laughs> while I agree with a lot of what you said and I think that you're you're very spot on with a lot of that I still don't have warm feelings towards Ruth at all but, I still feel very negatively towards her so I mean to your credit and your point like I don't think she's supposed to be likable even though there is like sympathy True. that you can give her so I, I think that you're I don't think you're far off in yeah. not liking her yeah 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 I've always been really grossed out by when he's teaching her to spit and he gets spit on oh his chin. Dude. Okay. First of all, I, I just, I have to say something. So there's an episode of Bob's Burgers where there's like a spit related thing and it's so gross that I literally, even though it's animated, I can't watch it because first of all, spit like really grosses me out to the point where I actually gag, like, because it's so gross to me. So when I was watching that scene, I gagged because I was getting really <laughs> grossed out by that. Like I, like I totally, totally a hundred percent agree with you. He had like the spit on his chin and I was like, Ugh! I'm like, Oh my God. I'm and like, just wipe it off, please. For the love of God. <laughs> what makes it so gross is that he like really sucks back to get like so much spit. <laughs> And it's always grossed me out because it reminds me of like those people that you see who like spit on the sidewalk. And I think like, are you an animal? Like, did you just spit on the sidewalk? Like I've walked into work before behind men and I'm singling out men here because I see men do it more often. Yeah, I've never than seen a woman spit on the sidewalk. I've walked into work, into an office building behind men who like, and like spit on the ground. And I think like, that's so, that's so weird. I don't, I mean, I guess in my head, like, why would you do that? If you're, if you need to spit, like if you, if you have to spit that badly, when you get out of your car, just discreetly spit. 
but in, in studies like walking in view of everyone spitting, I think that's really weird behavior. And yeah, I mean, I've certainly had to spit before. I'm human, but I'd never do it in a place where I'm just like, you know, yeah, like it's, it's, you know, I'm not like, especially like I've been walking. This is really going to gross me out saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Um, I've been walking and I've I've seen like phlegm on the ground. That's gross. Yeah, I don't like that either. And I've like almost stepped in it. I'm trying really hard not to get. Okay, right we can talk I'm about really something gross. else. Okay. But um, no, I never liked that scene. I never liked seeing like the the spit on his chin, and, and no. it's always bothered me. So it was. It's disgusting. It's yeah. I. It's disgusting. Yeah. Um, I. I um wanted to mention that um there so first of all did you do you notice that yoan Griffith is in this movie yeah uh-huh he comes like, back for the people yeah yeah he does yeah so there is um when they're coming back for the people and they're like lifting people up out of the water to see if they're alive there's this guy that picks up a woman and her eyes are like frozen open and all i could think of is that guy is going to be haunted by the look of that woman for the yeah. rest of his life because it's like like i'm i'm guessing that the people that were bombing in the water were likely like mannequins or like figurines or whatever i know? know i think i think jim james cameron actually like asked for volunteers for people to just die oh oh really did just <laughs> to just die in the movie yeah that sounds right that's that's, that's he's nothing like if not method so <laughs> industry standard well yeah. i mean they're not i meant that they're not real people <laughs> i know oh, yeah. okay <laughs> thank you very much miss <laughs> facetious <laughs> i mean when i say it deserved to win awards it's because it deserved to because win people literally died <laughs> yeah um, yeah all i could think of is that like someone and then i was thinking this last night when i was in the shower um i was having shower thoughts and I was thinking like the person, because assuming that they're not just people with makeup on, that they're like actually like mannequins or I don't know what you call them, figurines, whatever you get sex what I mean. Sex dolls. I don't know. Yeah, sex dolls probably. Anatomically um, correct. Yeah. <laughs> Anatomically correct sex dolls. Um, that the person who was making that face would be like, like I'd imagine that they'd have to put like a sheet over it because every time they'd walk in there, they're just like, "Oh God, geez, okay." Oh, that frozen dead woman freaks me out every time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and like the woman with the baby, and oh, I know. Like, yeah. It's so, but I that like that particular woman is like that like stays with you after yeah. that because it's so. It's like it's creepy, but it's just so sad, you know. Mm -hmm. And fifteen hundred people died, and seven hundred people lived. That's How crazy. Is that? It's That's messed so up. Messed up. Like, I mean, and it's all because they were like, "Well, we don't need lifeboats," and it's like, okay, sure. Yeah. Well, I think it's Cal's fault that the boat sunk anyway, because he said God Himself couldn't sink this boat. <laughs> So yeah, you're right. He was like, you know, and God was like, oh, really? Oh, really? Do you challenge, game right now? <laughs> like, yeah. challenge accepted. <laughs> so I, uh, yeah. So I think it's, it's just such a tragic and interesting story and so sad. And 
I always forget that Bill Paxton's in this movie. I know. I do too. And I'm like, oh yeah, there's Bill Paxton. And you know what? I forgot that Bill Paxton died. So when I was watching the movie, I was like, oh yeah, he died. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I I do have a question about the end. Um, One thing I've never liked is when Rose, old Rose, throws the diamond into the water. She goes, (laughs) she makes, why does she make that noise? (laughs) yeah um first of all okay that part always pisses me off and I will tell you why and I actually I can't believe I'd never thought of this before but I was curious I was wondering and I don't know how much you know about this but we both work in insurance so maybe we both kind of know but I'm assuming that Cal had insured that diamond because that thing is expensive as fuck so I'm wondering no they talked to they I think they asked her in the beginning like you know, we followed it through a paper trail through an insure a secret or a, an under like a very like hush hush insurance transaction. Do you know the name of that person? She's like, I should guess it's Hockley. So yeah. I think he, he filed like a claim for it after the Okay, because I'm wondering, like I, I was always thinking like she could have sold it, she could have whatever, but then I'm thinking, well, maybe she couldn't have because it's such a a valuable piece of jewelry but also um you know i mean he has like insurance on it that maybe she couldn't sell it because of like legal ramifications or whatever uh-huh. i mean obviously cal's dead long di- i mean he died in like what 1929 or would you say 1930 yeah um and um so like I don't know what that means after like if he had a trust or anything I'm kind of assuming maybe he didn't because he shot himself because he lost all his money in the in the stock market crash but um I just always wondered like like if you could sell that if you could do something like you could pay for your children's education you could buy a new house like there's so much that you can do other than throwing this like like it's it's just it's like i i understand that this is like part of her journey that that like having this necklace is maybe almost like a sort of in like a metaphorical sense like a collar to her you know because it's like now like it this is what cal put on her because now like he owns her or whatever you know what i mean but so I can see, I can understand emotionally from the, the perspective of wanting to throw it in the water to just have it not in your life anymore. But at 101 years old, you've had it for this long. And I'm having a really hard time, like, understanding why someone wouldn't, like, why she wouldn't use it in a way that could help her, you know, like, be advantages to her, you know? Well, I think... I agree with you. I think it's stupid that she threw it in the ocean. But I also think, like, if she would have sold it, then it's, like, I don't know if I'd really want to get rich off of Cal's money. But I would like her to say, like, I have the heart of the ocean, but I'm going to donate it to a a museum. Right, like, Like, do that. Like, donate it to a museum, because then Bill Paxton his character isn't searching for it anymore and they get to see it, but then nobody's getting rich off of it. You right. know, like she, she gives it to a museum after she's told the story. Cause I, I always thought her throwing it in the ocean was pretty stupid, but I agree with you. Like I doubt she could have sold it because there was like an, an insurance payout and his family probably technically had rights to it. But I would think at this point, 
she could donate it to a museum or something. Right. Um, and yeah, and I did not care for her performance when she threw it into the ocean. No, that the little oop. <laughs> She's but, like, oops, I tripped and fell and it fell in the ocean. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but um I did I I sent you a TikTok like months and months ago of so the last scene is like you presume that she's died in her sleep and then she's like when she like wakes up in death she's like back on the Titanic and everyone who's died is there and then she meets Jack and they kiss again in the afterlife or whatever you that she wherever she's at now that she's dead and I sent you that TikTok where it's like her, the husband that she actually married for I don't know 30 40 years who died before her but they had children together and they had a life together he's like in this TikTok he's meeting her and he's like Rose Rose do you like it I had them make make heaven look like the Titanic Rose and then she walks past him and kisses Leo and he's like what are you doing 30 years of marriage three kids <laughs> and I just like I've never thought about it before until I saw that video but why would heaven be the Titanic and why would this one person in her life who she shared four days with be like the person she meets in the afterlife I understand I why like, for the story the but is, it wasn't even four days it was only two because there was a different port that the mm. Titanic yeah the Titanic started a different port then went to I think they're in England or whatever and then yeah and then was going to the United States so they were only with each other for two days and so, they, like, so I don't like I know I understand why for the story but she lived a whole life like, yeah apart from him and I like it's I've never thought about it before but now I can't not see it you know <laughs> and also like so it's been what so 84 years she says so at that point, I mean, I think that she would have good memories and good associations with Jack, but would she even remember what he looked like? You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, she like, might have she this, might like, have ambiguous idea, but yeah. yeah. But, like, the reality of it is, is that she doesn't have any, she doesn't, you know, there's, she doesn't have anything of his. So she doesn't have a picture, like, and it's, <laughs> I totally... Like it's just the whole like last scene after seeing that TikTok because I was thinking this too as I was watching it was like so what like why would why yeah why like why and you're in heaven or whatever first of all why would heaven look like Titanic the like the worst experience I... of your life <laughs> <laughs> the worst experience <laughs> right like the worst experience of your life and like and what I always thought was really weird was there's like all these passengers lined up as if they yes. can see entire time we're like rooting for them like this and yeah like, like, you know? <laughs> like all of their lives didn't matter and Rose and Jack were the like and they all clapped like when Rose and Jack kissed like everyone cheered and I was like so none of these people like they're like Rose and Jack are just the lives that are important here and yeah. everyone everyone on the ship even people who never talk to them are excited right. that they're reunited like yeah like I know it's like it's like their romance was everyone's entertainment on the Titanic yeah and, like no one else had lives or thoughts or dreams outside of these two like it's just, <laughs> yeah, no I and I, I think <laughs> so, so ridiculous 
last week, last Saturday, I rewatched Shakespeare in Love. And as I was watching it, I said, I was thinking to myself, and it's kind of an abstract idea. And I can't really put, I know it when I see it, but I can't really put a concrete example. So it's not going to go that deeply, but I'm watching it and I can, well, I guess I can give you like one small example, but that doesn't even encompass the emotions that I was feeling. So I was watching it and I really like that movie. And I was thinking like this movie has a nineties innocence that is lost that movies do not have. And part of that is that in Shakespeare in love, like a very small example, just to try to illustrate my point is that there's multiple instances of cross-dressing where people do not realize that a man dresses a woman is actually a man or a woman dresses a man is actually a woman. And, and there's more to it than that. That's not even like the only reason, like the only basis for me saying that, but I, it has an innocence to it. And Titanic has that same nineties innocence that I, I know it when I see it. And part of that example is them all cheering when they kiss at the end and heaven being the grand staircase of the Titanic. And, and, I, and I don't know if, if that innocence was lost just because the 90s ended or if the innocence was lost because of how much the world changed after September 11th. And I know that that's, it's kind of a cop out to, 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 to blame things on September 11th, but it was like a turning point in, in our sort of innocent in our time like you're in my generation we're not like the vietnam generation we're not the world war ii generation so you know like we have these like pivot points and i was just sort of musing on that like this 90s innocence that i can see so clearly i i'm not sure if it ended just because the decade ended or if because of world events happened but titanic definitely has that you know <laughs> yeah yeah there um speaking of 9-11 there's a scene in Arrested Development because apparently I can I can relate everything to Arrested <laughs> Development <laughs> um, where Tobias is talking to Michael about his sex life with Lindsay or lack thereof and uh, Michael goes so when do you think that this started and, and <laughs> Tobias goes well I don't want to blame it on 9-11 but that didn't <laughs> help <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, which obviously 9-11 is not something to laugh about, but you know, it's, you know. Yeah, I mean, I feel silly like attributing something to that, but there is something in media that was created before around that time that yeah. is not in, like you don't see it anymore. And anyway, yeah. so it's it's nebulous. And like no, I said, I, I really can't pinpoint it but that's just a a feeling yeah i can um i i get what you're saying i can i can yeah i can understand what you're saying that it's like a certain level of whimsy you know that we mm -hmm. we really just don't have anymore yeah we're kind of yeah. more um i don't know like hard not hardened but just more um i think the the whimsy is just a little bit lost yep. you know yeah yep yeah things and, are and, a little bit more harsh yeah mm -hmm. and i think it's it can be it can be gained back in certain films i can't think of any off the top of my head um actually elizabeth town is the first one i thought of <laughs> but um 
it's I I do agree with you that but even Elizabeth Town doesn't really have that kind of whimsy because it's right. kind of a darker film you know like yeah. it's, mm-hmm. it, it has certain points where it does have like these happy moments but it's not it is not by any means really a happy film like it's pretty sad actually right um so yeah no i i can see what you mean yeah for sure definitely 90s had a different feel than the true thousands and so on and yeah Mm -hmm. yeah so would you recommend it i can't believe i'm even asking you this because obviously (laughs) we both say yes (laughs) i would recommend it i would recommend it because it's just so well made it's a great story i mean it's pretty predictable story not in a bad way, just in a, the story is, is good. It's, it's well done, but it's just well, the I mean, craft. if you know anything about the Titanic, you're going right. to know what happens. Like, it's, the craft you know. of movie making is so worth watching, I think, yes. uh, especially just the, the set design. I mean, the beautiful ship set design is pretty cool, too. Like, I would love to just be on a rec- replica of the Titanic and just be able to explore it because it seemed like a oh, really yeah. cool ship and the performances are good and I yeah I would recommend it would you <laughs> sounds oh, like yeah. you would yeah of course yeah definitely definitely um I again same thing I think um it's a very well-made movie it's a classic at this point you know yeah I I think it's great I think James Cameron has um he has a real love for what he does and you can really see it in his films. He's very, um, he's very good at what he does. And this was really kind of like, I feel like his love story to Titanic, you know, or his, his ode ode to Titanic was that this was probably always something that interested him as a kid. And as an adult, he got to live out his literal dreams of seeing it. And, and so it's, I, I definitely think that if you've never seen this movie, then you're seriously missing out and you should definitely watch it for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and you said it's on stars with Hulu. If the people want to get it, um, it's on Amazon prime with the stars add on. Okay. okay. So it's, so you can it's get a not free trial for that. Yeah. You can do a free trial and you can be like me and forget to cancel it. <laughs> and then it's not free anymore, but <laughs> oh well. Or you could be like, me and write copious notes to yourself to remind yourself to cancel everything because I will forget. Yeah. yeah. Lauren was smart. She went to a local store that sells used DVDs and she bought the only copy of Titanic. And then I went there thinking I could find another because I was like, surely more than one person has returned has tried to resell Titanic. And they were like, someone was just in here looking for Titanic. And I was like, yeah, it was my friend. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so um if you would like you can follow us on instagram at watchers and movies you can follow us on facebook at watchers and movies or you can email us at watchers and movies at gmail.com you could go to our website it's watchers and movies.weebly.com we are on spotify we're on google play we're on soundcloud we are on stitcher so if you want to check us out there and that's iTunes. itunes we're on itunes too yeah and thank you so much to Mike for our theme music. It's beautiful. And we love it. And I sing yes. it every time. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Mike. You can find him on Twitter at the Mike Show 42. His name is Mike Myers. And if you have an interest in professional wrestling, Mike co-hosted the Wade Keller SmackDown Pro. What is it called? It was the Wade Keller SmackDown Pro Show <laughs> Podcast. 
on the PW Torch website last night, and he always does a phenomenal job and brings some fun, fresh insights into uh, the latest episode of WWE SmackDown. So if you have an interest in that, look him up on the PW Torch website and listen to that. And if you would like us to review a movie, please go to iTunes, give us five stars, and write a review with the movie title in it. And you don't have to write a review review. You can just put the movie title in it. You know, whatever you want to do, just as long as the title is there. And we will shoot that request up to the top. That will take priority. If for some reason you're not able to do that, you can always send us a request via any other means and we will review it. It will get added to the list. It just won't take priority. So if you give us five stars on iTunes, it helps us and it helps you. And it's just, it's a, it's a fun thing to do. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> Help us get out there. I love you. It's just a fun thing to do. <laughs> All right. Well, bye-bye. Bye-bye.